0: You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view
1: from our side of the cockpit
2: door. WAPG, it's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 554.
0: Yeah, he's in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy.
2: Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 26th of January, 2023. In today's episode, the FAA fines Virgin Atlantic a million dollars for flying over Iraqi airspace without U.S. permission. Two people die when a small airplane develops engine trouble and goes down within two miles of a New York suburban airport. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. Flight 554 is ready for pushback.
3: Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in New York City. That's also on 92.3 FM in New Let's not forget that. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining us from his studio
4: in Hartford, Heriford, and Hampshire.
3: Professional photographer, former RAFR Double A F fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330 A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Uh, hi there, Jeff.
5: And just thank the intro there for bringing up Virgins. Fine. I'm very happy I'm not working for them anymore.
3: Okay. Well, I understand that. <laughs> Fine company. <but> Fine company. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's nice not working. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah,
5: it would have been taken out of my pay packet, Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> uh, from his home studio in the Air Capitol. Low and slow pilot, old airplane enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry, Nick Camacho. Hey, glad to be back. Great to have you back. And also joining us in a place to stand, a place to grow. From her studio in Toronto, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper.
4: Good day, everyone.
3: Good day. Glad to see everybody. Oh, by the way, we should mention that Doctor Steph will be joining us as the show is in progress. So drive safely, Doctor Steph. And have a good
4: show, guys.
3: I'll hear you in the control room, Liz. And let's go on to the news. Stand by for news. All right, let's start off with an update on that uh, ATR 72 crash in uh, Pokhara, um, Nepal. Uh, they really, it's not much of an of an update. Um, they've just uh, recovered all but one of the bodies. Seventy-one bodies have so far been recovered from the crash site, and one person is still missing. And uh, the, uh, the flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorder, boxes. the orange boxes, thank you, Liz, have been handed to the Investigation Commission that's being supported by foreign investigators, the BEA, the ATR, and EASA, who traveled to Pokhara this Wednesday, January 18th, 2023, which was several days ago. And uh that's it. No, we don't have any information yet as to you know what happened here, any clues as to why the aircraft crashed. Unless you, unless one of you have heard something about this. No. I have not. Okay. Nope. All right. That's it. Nice and quick on that one. Um move to uh item B. Uh, here's an update on this as well. The uh, accident, uh, the Envoy uh, Embraer uh, ERJ-175 uh, operating on behalf of American Airlines uh, in Montgomery. The preliminary report has been released. That was released just a couple of days ago on the 23rd of January. Uh, let's see, the flight was operated by Envoy. And uh, they had an inoperative auxiliary power unit. The flight uh, crew reported that after an uneventful flight, they elected to leave both engines running for the required two minute engine cool down period. As the airplane approached the gate, three ramp agents were present but clear of the safety area. After stopping the aircraft and setting the parking brake, the captain gave the hand signal to connect the airplane to ground power as he was shutting down the number two engine, the right engine. The door, cargo, forward, open, engine indicating and crew alerting system, (ICAS) message, appeared, indicating that the forward cargo door had opened. Remember, both engines are still running here. The first officer opened his cockpit window to inform the ramp agent that the engines were still operating. The captain then made a brief announcement asking the passengers to remain seated until the seatbelt sign had been turned off. He then relayed his intentions to the FO that the seatbelt sign would stay illuminated until they had connected to ground power and could shut down the number one engine. Immediately thereafter, he saw a warning light illuminate, and the airplane shook violently, followed by the immediate automatic shutdown of the number one engine. Unsure of what had happened, he extinguished the emergency lights and shut off both batteries before leaving the flight deck to investigate. Video surveillance captured the accident sequence, showed the airplane being marshaled to the gate, After the nose wheel was chalked, the ramp agent marshalling the airplane walked toward the forward cargo door located on the right side and near the front of the plane. Simultaneously, another ramp agent appeared walking towards the back of the airplane with an orange safety cone where she disappeared from view. A third agent, located near the right wingtip, could be seen gesturing with his hand towards the back of the airplane. Meanwhile, a fourth ramp agent knelt near, near the airplane's nose wheel. The ramp agent from the back of the airplane reappeared and began walking away from the airplane and towards the wingtip where she disappeared from the camera's field of view. The marshaller could be seen backing away from the airplane's open far, forward cargo door, and the ramp agent from the back of the airplane reappeared walking along the left edge of the left wing and directly in front of the number one engine. She was subsequently pulled off her feet and into the operating engine. Throughout the course of the accident, the airplane's upper rotating beacon light appeared to be eliminated. The ground crew reported that a safety briefing was held about ten minutes before the airplane arrived at the gate. A second safety huddle was held shortly before the airplane arrived at the gate to reiterate that the engines would remain running until ground power was connected. It was also discussed that the airplane should not be approached, and the diamond of safety cones should not be set until the engines were off, spooled down, and and the airplane's rotating beacon light had been extinguished by the flight crew. One ramp agent located near the right wingtip stated that he observed another ramp agent approach the back of the airplane to set the rear safety cone. He observed her almost fall over from the engine's exhaust while he attempted to alert her to stay back and wait for the engines to be shut down. He also stated that he observed the airplane's upper and lower rotating beacon lights illuminated. Another ramp agent stated that after chalking the nose wheel of the airplane, he observed another ramp agent approach the forward cargo door and he knelt uh, to wave him off. He then observed another ramp agent about to set the safety cone at the rear of the plane. He yelled and waved her off as the number one engine was still running. He observed her as she began to move away from the airplane before he turned to lower the cord for the ground power. Shortly thereafter, he heard a bang and the engine shut down. Ah, So, I mean they did all the things they were supposed to do. They had the safety briefing, you know, 10 minutes before the airplane arrived and then right before the airplane arrived at the gate, they said, again, don't do any of these things that you normally do because the engines are running. The APU is inoperative operative on this airplane, uh, but it, it, it seemed to be completely forgotten were- or ignored. Uh, yeah, the uh, rotating beacon was still, still going, which means that, you know, don't approach the airplane with that rotating beacon on. Um, and, uh, I don't. It's just uh, it's it's perplexing,
4: baffling to me
3: that with all that they still all these agents were doing things that weren't supposed to do. They were they were just told not to do that, and they did it anyway. Um,
5: yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that uh, everyone was within earshot during the briefings. Uh, you know, was everybody at these little briefings, or was somebody you know off? doing something else and didn't get a chance to participate uh you know the person conducted the briefing did they make uh, do a little check of understanding uh to ensure that the information had been taken on board uh i mean people uh, it's a very noisy environment people often wearing uh, ear defenders um you know you you would have to make absolutely certain that everyone is hearing and acknowledging the safety brief Having said that, you know, you can only do so much. If someone's going to ignore uh, your instructions, uh, what can you possibly do? So, and I think there's a bit more of an investigation uh, still required, uh, you know, to find Mm -hmm. out the fine details of why this person either wasn't able to understand the safety brief or ignored it, uh, you know, because this is not particularly common. I mean, you do hear about, passengers uh, in helicopters walking into the tail rotor, this sort of thing. And it it is dreadful, but they can, you can possibly understand that, but these are people who should be reasonably familiar with the the ramp area and all the dangers involved. Uh, It's their everyday job. So ah, difficult.
3: Now I did receive some feedback from um, someone uh, who asked me to anonymize all the information. Um, and it's uh, it has a lot to do, uh, it's very similar uh, experience that he had to this incident. Um, he said, uh, as an aside, I used to work for blank in a Wisconsin city for several years on the ramp, both as just a regular ramp employee hourly, and then as a supervisor doing the load planning, etc., We were, for the lack of a better word, anal about training people of the dangers of the aircraft engines. It was doubly tricky because while I was there, we ran DC-8, 71s, and 73s, so we had to go through the whole huffer, start, no APUs. I can remember a night, uh, I was maybe 25 yards from the aircraft, sort of by the nose of the plane, just watching my folks do their thing. We had a set of chocks under the mains that were stuck, and the mechanics had a procedure for that. They'd position an employee by the mains, and then once they got the first engine started, they'd release the brakes and then have a tug, push back, or pull forward just a tad so the employee could then pull the chalk and head up under the fuselage, avoiding the engines and out of the way so that we could then push back. We worked with a mechanic so that there were five to six employees specifically trained to do this, to know where the danger areas were, and so on. Well, anyway, this particular night I'm watching, And the guy by the mains was having trouble because there were two sets of chocks jammed. They were coming out, but it was just a bit of a hassle. A non-trained employee saw this and decided to head in and help, walking right in front of the inboard starboard side engine as it's throttling up right after start. I mean, from my perspective, he was maybe 10 feet in front of the engine, maybe, (sighs) maybe a bit closer. It was close enough that his flannel shirt, which was untucked, was being pulled towards the engine. I firmly believe that if the captain had come up, come up on the power just a bit more, he'd have gone in the whole time. I'm waving my arms, jumping up and down, screaming, and he doesn't see or hear me. Anyway, he walked over, helped the guy get the chocks out. They came out under the fuselage. And at that point, I remember seeing the mechanic getting up from his knees because I was screaming at him to stop. And so was the mechanic. But it was so loud This mechanic, who was a really great guy, was so shaken by what he had seen that he literally dropped to his knees as he was screaming for this kid to stop. So anyway, he gets to the nose, and the mechanic was so upset he grabbed the kid, threw him in his pickup truck, and yelled, Don't blanking leave this blanking truck, and closed the door. We both talked to him after the plane departed. He had no idea how close he had had come to being ingested. I distinctly remember seeing the mechanic just shaking the whole time that we were talking to this kid. Wow. Another almost, you know, sucked into the engine event.
5: Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Uh, And uh, I witnessed a similar one myself. um, When we had our Hawk Hawk jet trainers, Mm -hmm. single engine jet trainers uh, up at a uh, forward operating base to do some flying because the weather around there was good. And uh, I was up in the tower as the duty pilot and uh, um, as the aircraft uh, accelerated prior to a formation takeoff, they powered their engines up, uh, an apparent leak appeared on one of the aircraft, and uh, a fire crew were asked to come out and do an inspection. So, you know, you think an airport fire crew would, um, yeah, really understand (laughs) where to stand and where not to stand, uh, anyway, one of them uh, lost his arm down the intake of uh, one of the aircraft. Uh, luckily, the engine set fairway back, so he managed to pull. The, the engine surged, so um, the, the flow of air was interrupted such that he could get his arm back out again. But uh, And that's a trained fireman. So, you know, you go, wow. Uh, you know, if, if he can full foul of it, then wow. You right. Do wonder.
3: And it's such a noisy environment. I mean, all the screaming you can do is probably not going to be heard over the no. the sound of those jet engines when you're on the ramp. It's just a very dangerous place. I mean, even when I'm doing my walk around, uh, I I'm very cognizant of what's happening around me and, uh, you know, just making sure that I don't like, for instance, um, you know, when you're, when the, uh, what do they call those? The, um, the cargo, uh, I can't think of the name, uh, where they put the bags, the baggage carts, the good. trolleys. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. they're usually like, you know, several connected in a, like, almost like a train to the tug. And, uh, I, I always am tempted to like walk in between them to on my way back to the tail, of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, Nope, I'm going to go and walk around the, either the back one or the, the front one and, you know, make sure nobody's sitting in the driver's seat and about to, you know, drive that thing away. And, uh, you know, just those little things that you just have to really take some extra time and, and uh, safety precautions. Um, and that's why we have to now uh, wear these fluorescent uh, vests when we do our walk arounds. That's something that was initiated a couple of years ago uh, by, um, I think it was initiated by the Atlanta International Airport. And then we, our company decided that we should always wear these bright yellow. Uh, green safety vests when we're outside doing our walk around just to make us a little bit more visible to all the stuff that's happening out there but it's a very dangerous place.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the disheartening things about the envoy situation is that uh you know, they're not they weren't asking it, it wasn't the abnormality was that they were pulling all the way to the gate with the engines running, right? But they weren't actually asking the ground crew to do anything Different or anything outside of their normal, uh, their standard operating procedures, right? Like they said, still, still can't go up to the airplane with the engines running. Still can't go up to the airplane with the beacon on. I mean, it it seems like to me it'd be different if something was happening where they're like, "Hey, we got to go do this thing that we don't normally do." You know, we got to go open this door with that engine running, and we need to brief it, and we need to understand what's going on because it's an abnormal operation. But you know, the sad part is everything was already documented, and they were just saying, you know, we're going to do everything the way we always do, which is wait for the engines to shut down, wait for the beacon to turn off. And it uh, it didn't end up working out that way.
3: I guess in a lot of cases, you know, the the normal ops with the AP running, they only have one engine running, so they're kind of used to one side of the aircraft being safe. And they're probably so uh, into the routine of getting everything done as quickly as possible, get that airplane turned around and back to wherever it needs to go. Uh, that uh, they just completely uh, went into their normal mode of operation, and uh that uh had its cost very high cost yep. okay. Um, okay uh we we just got some information from the control room that uh Dr. Steph has uh, finished her. Her work She's left duties her building and has left the building and is headed home. So uh, we look forward to Ray. seeing her arrive uh, in, the, in the next, I don't know, half hour, hopefully, depending on how busy the traffic is today on Thursday afternoon, probably pretty busy. Uh, all right, let's move on to this next one. Um, this is from uh, Forbes.com. Uh, A first officer on American JFK runway incursion flight had added task at departure, Source says. Okay. The first officer on American Airlines Flight 106, which was involved in a runway incursion Friday night at Kennedy International Airport, was flying her first flight with new cockpit procedures, as Source said. At the time of the incursion, which forced a Delta Airlines aircraft to stop suddenly, the first officer was engaged in a series of tasks that involved processing takeoff data that included flap and power settings as well as a runway assessment. But for the first time under new procedures introduced January 2nd, she also had to make an announcement informing passengers and flight attendants of the impending takeoff, said the source, a pilot who has knowledge of the incident and who asked not to be named. The procedures require the 777 first officer to inform passengers and flight attendants that takeoff is imminent. That announcement was previously made by the captain. It requires the first officer to interrupt continuing tasks, be precise on timing, and change intercom settings. The first officer, an experienced 737 pilot, was making her first 777 flight after 100 hours of training flights that did not include the new procedures. She has all this data to analyze and input, plus she has a new task on top of all that, the source said. She was overwhelmed. In the incident, flight 106 crossed a runway about 1,000 feet in front of a Delta Airlines flight. Well, that's where they ended up stopping their rejected takeoff. Uh, Delta Airlines flight 1943, which had to abort. The Delta plane returned to the gate. The American plane, its pilots unaware of the close call, continued to London. No one was injured. Mm -hmm. Air traffic control uh, communications indicate that the flight... 106 was on the wrong runway at the time. Well, they crossed the wrong runway. Many have questioned why the American crew did not return to the gate after the incursion. According to this article, the reason is, or the source, the reason is that they had no knowledge of the seriousness seriousness of the incident. Uh, After the incident occurred, controllers gave the pilots a number to call. They called, but it's unclear whether they got through. Okay. Wow. Uh, The crew didn't understand the gravity of what had occurred until they got to London. That's when they realized what happened. Until then, they didn't know that there had been a runway incursion. <laughs> I'm I'm going to wave my little BS yeah, flag. BS, yeah. uh, although the first officer was experienced in the Boeing 737, she was brand new in that airplane. She had just read the 35-page bulletin that changes procedures. The captain, meanwhile, had to make a left turn and then a right turn to get across the wrong runway. Thank you, Liz. That's perfect timing. And so did not have sufficient visibility to see the stop bar lights on the runway. The captain was in fact on his way to another runway. A third pilot in the cockpit also could not see the lights at the time of the incident. The pilots had just switched to the tower frequency from the American ground tower. That's not true. They had just switched to tower frequency from JFK ground. They never heard Delta cleared for takeoff. The source said, now that's a good point. Um, Delta was cleared for takeoff before they switched over to tower. Um, and I, I do believe that that's a a legitimate point. And you all know my feelings about the fact that anytime runways, active runways are involved. I think that all the flights need to be on the same frequency. So you can pick up when somebody has been cleared for takeoff on a runway you're about to cross. Now, whether they realized, you know, what runway they were crossing at the time, I don't know that, that, uh, is uh, to be determined in the future, I think, in in the investigation. Anyway, so this article continues on. On January 2nd, American Airlines implemented implemented new cockpit procedures, including changes to cockpit communications during critical events, including takeoff. The Allied Pilots Association, APA, which represents the 15,000 American pilots, said the implementation involves an attempt to alter critical procedures through a 35-page bulletin and changes in a 65-page manual rather than through in-person training. Anyway, so they kind of go on and on and on about this. But, okay, um, the the problem, this is Jeff speaking. The problem here wasn't, that might have been maybe something that contributed to the lack of attention, maybe because the first officer in the new procedures wasn't paying as close attention as she normally would, and she's brand new on the airplane, You know, yada, yada, yada it's still the captain's responsibility to steer the airplane, taxi the airplane to the right place and know which runway he's going to. And, you know, I I don't see how any of this, uh, allied pilot association, they, uh, um, I think that the source for, for this article for, uh, Forbes, uh, is, uh, representative of the APA, the APA and American airlines have been fighting over the implementation of these new, uh, policies. And I think that they're just trying to use this possibly, uh, as a, as a a way to, or ammunition to, you know, speak out against the fact that, you know, they don't like the way it was implemented or whatever, but yeah, why don't you go ahead and put up that tweet, Liz? Um, So, this is um, uh, a tweet from Ross Feinstein, who is actually uh, retweeting um, a a tweet from uh, somebody else, uh, Gary Leff. He says, I agree with Gary Leff here. I think we all know the person who is feeding Forbes and the guy that wrote the article with the CYA cover your assets story. Uh, The Ted Reed pieces, CYA, Uh, he said, there's no there is zero indication that new procedures had anything to do with this incident. There were three pilots on board. None of them noticed that they were going the wrong way. Uh, they were informed of a possible pilot deviation. They spent half an hour on the ground after the incursion. If they still didn't know what had happened, that's worse, not better. Uh, as you write, quote, now, of course, this doesn't address why the experienced captain taxed the plane to the wrong runway. And that makes the rest of Ted's, the Forbes rider piece, basically irrelevant. Uh, APA is pushing everybody's fault but the pilot's narrative via Ted and uh, elsewhere, but it does not hold. No, that's just another opinion. There, uh, it seems like there, there's a there's a fight going on between American management and the union, and um, which again, I mean, probably some valid points on both sides. But personally speaking, if I'm in that airplane that had a runway incur- excursion or incursion. My first officer is busy doing stuff. I mean, it's up to me. I'm the one that's actually taxing the airplane to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, going the right place. So, I don't know. What do you guys think?
5: Well, I, I, yeah, that you've brought up some very interesting um, thoughts, Jeff, and I agree uh, almost entirely with you. Um, I would say that. Uh, not in defence of the situation, but it is very common nowadays for airlines to change procedures, change uh, the way sometimes long uh, understood procedures have been operated. Uh, and the the only... Um, The only training you get often is a written memo, which you're supposed to read in this case, a 35 page document or 30 page document, which you're supposed to read in your own time uh, during your rest periods between flights or on a layover or whatever. And I can, uh, you know, I've been guilty of this myself uh, going golly, you know, I've got a day off now and I'm supposed to sit down and try and absorb this entirely new procedure without ever getting a chance to practice it in the simulator or whatever. Um, so I have a, an element of sympathy with the modern way of training flight crew through, you know, what well, effectively are our, our memorandum that are fired off the company and they often come thick and fast. Uh, so, that But let's put that to bed. I don't think that was necessarily the cause or even a contributing cause here. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, When you're in charge of a damn great big airplane, you have to make sure to know where where you're going. You certainly uh, shouldn't miss your turn off onto the correct taxiway to cross a completely different runway. Uh, I think that's inexcusable. Um, If your FO is getting swamped because uh, she's unfamiliar and she's applying new procedures, you taxi real slow and you get the guy in the back there who's got very little else to do just to sit and watch to monitor and shotgun them through these new procedures you brief them beforehand say you know do it together guys so that we make sure we don't miss anything after all you've got nothing to do Um, and uh, you're the one that's being swamped so you know work as a team here uh, to make sure you get everything done it's not a very long taxi out that bit or they had plenty of time before quite honestly but when you get to where they were when the incursion occurred it's not that far to go to get to the end of the runway um but having said that you know making a pa just imminently before departure wasn't going to happen for another five minutes probably even if they've gone the right direction because they've got a they've still got you know several thousand feet of of uh in you know, taxiway to go before they get to the point where they call everyone to go and take their seats so I, I think you're right I think there is an element of um this was bad timing because a new procedure had been um uh, brought in but i think the union are probably waving a flag there saying this was the cause and i don't think that's um probably justified.
3: yeah i agree with you uh, and il um and the uh, live audience um, makes the point from listening to live ATC. And we mentioned this last week when we were talking was it last week that we talked about this. Yep. Well, a week and yeah, a half I'm ago, sure. it's been a while. Um, he says from listening to live ATC, there is no readback of receiving the runway instruction. So when they first called for a taxi from Tango alpha, the instruction was taxi runway four left via left on Bravo, hold short a kilo. And when she read it back, She did not read back four left, left on Bravo, short a kilo. Um, So I think that was like kind of the, the, the seed from where this all started was the fact that it, it wasn't either heard or um, understood right at the beginning, that that's the runway that they're going to use for takeoff. And this whole time, she's doing all her performance calculations and everything else. I bet, I don't know, because we weren't there, we don't have the cockpit voice recorder because they flew to London and after a couple of hours, all that is recorded over. Oh. So sadly, that's gone. Um, but I would bet that all the performance data and everything else, all the discussions about the, t- the takeoff runway, uh, they were using three, one left instead of four left. And so you're, you have that What is that expectation bias Mm -hmm. going on? That's the runway we're going to use. And that's where we're going. And they just told us to cross a runway. And I could see all those funyuns lining up.
5: Yeah. Uh, Um, uh, Air traffic, I suppose, to pick you up if you don't give a uh, particularly a runway crossing instruction, if you don't read it back correctly. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say.
6: This is reaching way back into like the the back parts of my uh, pilot instruction. But I thought for… At least in the United States, I thought for hold short instructions, you had to read back the hold short instruction and where you what you were holding short of.
3: Read yeah. back all runway hold um, hold short and something instructions. instructions. Crossing? Um, Crossing? Yeah, instructions. And I hate
5: to say it. it it's a habit among uh, people who consider themselves professional airline pilots that it's okay to abbreviate stuff. Um, and they, they think it's overly pedantic to be particular about making sure that you have done all the correct rt procedures which include a full readback when required and air traffic controllers are guilty of the same sort of thing you know when you're busy uh you give people a bit of leeway because you haven't got the time to pull them up if they don't give a full readback that that is really a bad habit and i hate to say it and i hate to sound like a Oh, I don't know, broken record on this, but it is it is a really bad habit and people need to get out of that I habit and do it properly because it can save so many situations.
3: Yes. Now, to, to, to be um, technically correct, the initial instruction when given the runway assignment, uh, Nixie, was the taxi instruction and they did not tell them to hold short of a runway on that instruction. They said four left uh, turn left bravo hold short a kilo so it was an a taxiway uh intersection that they were told to hold short and technically speaking you don't have to repeat everything verbatim i I always do and I think most pilots professional pilots out there do yeah I didn't
7: but I don't yeah, think I it's don't,
3: an actual requirement but if they had said four left turn left on bravo hold uh hold short of runway uh four left at kilo or something like that, then they would have been required to read all that back, including their full call sign. But because that was their initial instruction from, from ground control, um, it was not a hold short or crossing instruction. It was a, a runway assignment.
6: Yeah, okay. I, I agree with that. Okay. Um, but I thought they had the crossing assignment because they were crossing a runway. They were just crossing the wrong runway.
3: Yes. They told them to cross left at, I mean cross 3-1 left at Kilo, but I'm not sure, I don't remember what, if she read that back or not. I guess we, we still have the recording. Should I pull that I out it? and see? Um,
6: yeah, I don't think, I'm, it's not a huge deal to me, I just...
5: I'm, I'm, I'm curious I just now. think it's one more element in this that yeah. where they might have picked up the
3: error. Right. Right.
4: Maybe while you're getting it, does Nick want to comment on this comment of dave's because
3: dave uh has a comment and and liz is thinking maybe you want to comment on that um nick captain nick
5: yeah i mentioned this last week exactly Uh, that particular corner is a very confusing area there's it's full of concrete so it may on the map look like it's clearly designated roadways uh, taxiways uh, with something like grass or whatever in between, but it's not. It's almost all solid concrete, and the only thing that delineates where you taxi uh, are the painted lines. And particularly at night, and particularly in wet weather, um, not necessarily this situation, um, they, they can be very hard to read. And also the the mess of lights merges. It's not like it's a clear dotted line to follow it merges into a sort of conglomeration of lights as well so you know it's hard to pick out the way i was initially worried that they just went a bit too far and then took a ninety right and assumed they were a crunch they were actually crossing the correct runway because you've only got to go a little bit past kilo uh, and Get a beam Juliet, and now you've got a right turn that is very similar to the one you should have taken when you came down and turned right at Kilo. It's just that now you've gone, you've got confused by ninety degrees. Um, uh, but I think there's there's a strong likelihood that Jeff's right that uh, they were imagining they were departing from three one left, and um, they they just turned onto the wrong
3: taxiway and crossed the wrong one way. That's what I was going to say. I think you know, it was just in their head that that's where they're, they were supposed to go yep. and that's the runway yep. they were supposed to cross. Uh, so yep. it, regardless of the lights and geographic spatial awareness and all that kind of stuff, I think that that was the critical you know, problem with this whole thing. Okay. I, th- I found the uh, audio and let me, uh, I'll have to fast forward to uh, the place where, oh, wait a minute. Now it's got to download. Hang on. Sorry. Uh, yeah,
5: I, I can't Yeah, main man Mike has made, asked a good question while you're doing that, Jeff. Uh, yes, you're supposed to. That's the whole point of the command course and being selected for command, is because you're supposed to have the capacity to be able to monitor what everyone on the airplane's doing, even if it's cabin crew down the back. Uh, and so, yes, you are supposed to be able to pay attention. Uh, you may not be monitoring them 100%. But at least you might have set up the situation where they're being monitored, and you might keep a close eye on them if they're new on the airplane. Uh, and hence, I come back to the taxi out, nice and slow, and um, you know, make it, sure you have given them the time to complete their tasks before you get to the end of the runway.
6: Yeah, especially in like critical phases where there, you know, to me there are like obvious phases of the flight that are higher risk. Um. And crossing runways is always one of those. Like I, I have way less experience than you guys, but you know, like the C47, which is my only multi-crew experience, there's lots of times when we'll be taxiing out or doing long taxis and one guy will be controlling the airplane and the other guy will be doing a bunch of stuff. But there are phases and when we're crossing runways, it's always one of them, right? Where, we, where we're both looking out the windows and we're looking down the runway and we're backing each other up. And I I think that that's because we just, you know, there's a, um, I don't know, at least in my mind, there's this innate feeling that that's a point where if you make a mistake, it could be really catastrophic. You know, if I've got my head down trying to set a radio or something and this other guy's screwing around and puts one main off of the taxiway, that'd be embarrassing. But, um, and it may break something on the airplane, but it's not going to be catastrophic. But when you start talking about rolling a big, heavy, slow airplane out onto a an area where things are happening very fast, then I, I think everyone needs to know what's going on.
3: Yeah. Bill in our live audience makes a good, has a good question. What was the other captain doing? And actually, I think it's another first officer. What was the other pilot that was riding the, in the jump seat? Part of that crew. Yeah, qualified what triple were they pilot. doing? <laughs> you know, what were they paying attention to? Were they on their, well, I'm not going to say that. Okay, um, let's see. I did find, again, I'm going to just hit, I'm going to play it a different way.
2: Okay. American. We're going to go back to a gate. Okay. actually okay, yeah. right on Bravo, Hotel short Hotel Bravo. Right on Bravo.
3: No, that was after the event. Sorry. I'm yeah, trying happened. to find
1: it. Delta 1943, same intentions. No,
3: nope, that's already happened. Back
1: it up.
3: Back a little bit more.
1: 35018, Gus 24, runway four left, everything else.
3: Okay, Okay, that was the Delta flight. Okay, let me back up a little bit more. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. So she read back cross through here. Let me do that again.
0: Yep. Yep.
3: So she did read back the the proper instruction. It's just that yep. maybe she was so plane. busy doing what she was doing, she didn't she didn't catch what the captain was doing. And uh, again, that question: Well, what was the other pilot doing? Why wasn't he paying attention to what runway the captain was about to cross? I don't know. Lots of lots of things went wrong there. I, I was going to ask Captain Nick about that because he, you know, you talked
6: about having cruise captains when you were flying um, long legs. What was the, uh, like, was there any sort of rule or rule of thumb where if someone is, if you're flying a two-crew airplane, but you have a third pilot in the cockpit with you, was there any expectation of him being involved, or is he kind of expected to be like a jumpseater?
5: Oh, no, there there are a set of duties allocated to um, supernumerary pilots uh, in the ops manual. Uh, okay. which include monitoring the uh, the conduct of the flight ensuring that the operating crew uh, are you know doing everything they're supposed to so there's 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 no way that uh, they're sat back there without any duties no there's it's clearly laid down that they are part of the crew and even though they haven't got anything specific to do they've got a very important monitoring job uh, which is what most of them do and uh, but I think you know, uh, people get a bit blase about that sort of thing. They think, oh, I've got nothing to do. I'll just sit here. Uh, thumb and bum mind in neutral. Not suggesting that was the case here, but it does happen. <laughs> and that's often how they also manage to
3: miss things. What was that thumb, thumb and bum? Thumb and bum, thumb thumb and bum. bum mind in neutral. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. <clears throat> i uh, Captain Jeff I uh, love, do you do you do you love that. <laughs> I'm all choked up now. Uh, <laughs> cover art. What does it saying? <laughs> oh, boy. Let's write that down, someone. I okay. It. Um, next item uh, yep. Delta 76300 registration November 181, Delta November, performing flight 211 from Prague to New York, JFK. With 221 passengers and 12 crew, was en route about 240 nautical miles south southeast of the southern tip of Greenland when the flight crew was informed about a flooding issue in the mid cabin lavatories. Excuse me, lavatories. Shortly followed by flooding in the forward left lavatory. Sometime after the flooding was discovered, the autopilot disconnected. The flight crew attempted to engage any of the three autopilots; however, none would remain connected. The aircraft began to drift to the right and correction to the left was not possible. The flight crew contacted dispatch and maintenance reporting jammed flight controls and worked the related checklist. The crew declared an emergency, descended the aircraft and coordinated with the air traffic control for a diversion to Gander, um, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Uh, Newfoundland, Canada. I always put the uh, emphasis on, un- the emphasis understand, understand, on the emphasis on the oh, understand oh, so newfoundland. Okay, uh, so let me start over on that one. The crew declared emergency, descended the aircraft, and coordinated with air traffic control for a diversion to Gander, Newfoundland, Canada. Perfect. About 100 nautical miles east of Gander, the flight controls returned to normal function. The crew terminated the emergency and set course to divert to Boston, Massachusetts. Subsequently, while at flight level 110, actually in this case it would be 11,000 feet, determined, I guess it would still be, or would it only be 11,000 feet uh, in when you got into the American airspace? Right. Hmm, that's a good question. I'm not sure I know the answer. Anyway, approximately 11,000 feet determined that the fuel would be sufficient to continue to JFK. The aircraft landed on JFK's runway four right about four hours and 15 minutes after the onset of the flooding. The Canadian TSB reported maintenance replaced both gray water drain masks and a seal in the left wheel well canted pressure deck above the aileron feel centering and trim mechanism. The entire roll control and autopilot systems were inspected and repairs effected as needed. Okay, I guess that was at the aftermath. They replaced the water drain yeah. masts, and the seal in the left wheel well.
0: Um, oh, no.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, we have another story here from uh, the, uh, what's it called again? Uh, okay. Paddle Your Own Canoe. And uh, you'd, you'd think that this guy would know better. Uh, they have a picture uh, of a Delta yep. wide body. However, it's not a 767. No. It's No. Uh, it's an Airbus. Yeah. <laughs> oh man.
4: Any old Dear
3: delta. Idea. Yeah. That never Boeing happens. Boeing lobby are responsible for this. <laughs> uh-huh. Um so yeah, that's that's concerning. So you're they're reporting flooding and then all of a sudden you can't get the autopilots are disconnecting, they can't you can't engage an autopilot and leave it connected and then all of a sudden you can't turn left. <laughs> that's that's not good.
5: No. uh, I wish I knew a bit more about uh, the 767's autopilot system, because it sounds like the autopilot wasn't fully disconnecting. I don't know
3: what you think, Jeff. but I don't know. uh, It could be, yeah. That that, um, the lateral part of it may have still been engaged. Yeah,
5: it might have been fighting to uh, do something that it still thought it was its job. Um, so uh, and perhaps when they solved that they went oh okay we know what happened now so let's go to New York (laughs) fair enough but um, (laughs) that's that's not what this article says
3: (laughs) 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 and that's certainly not what I would say happened no
5: because if I was still unsure of why this airplane had a sudden control and and sounds like quite a serious uh, control malfunction I just want to get that damn thing on the ground
3: (laughs) personally yeah no kidding well I, I think I've related uh, the story that uh, uh that I um I I'm sure I've told it a few times on the show this 13 14 years we've been doing it. Um but uh I was on a um test flight um after maintenance was performed on a 727 and back in those days they didn't use specifically trained pilots to fly these maintenance, uh, test flights after, you know, big maintenance had been, uh, performed. They just use air crews just, you know, they figure, well, you're, you're checked out on this airplane. You can go and do this and we'll send a mechanic with you. And, and he'll tell you all the things you're supposed to do and including shutting down engines, restarting, turning off hydraulic systems, turning them back on that kind of thing. And so we were, um, actually this, this wasn't a maintenance check flight. It was an actual, um uh, in service passenger flight that had had work done on the uh, control system i don't know why they didn't no maybe it was not uh, see it's been so long i can't remember exactly it must i guess we didn't have passengers on anyway we're taking off out of atlanta and the um captain is uh flying the airplane and he uh starts trying to turn the jet and it's, it's like jammed. So we thought we're thinking, oh no, you know, they, they've worked on those aileron cables. Maybe there's something like a tool or something in there to jamming the controls. Or they, I, I kept thinking about, you know, Al Haynes and the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Cornfield DC didn't. 10 and the corn, you know, the Iowa, uh, what was it? Sioux city, Iowa oh,
4: yeah.
3: sort of crash landing. Yep. um, uh, that's like going in my head. Oh, no. What are we going to do? And then finally, after just about making an emergency declaration to uh, Atlanta Center, he goes, hey, oh, hang on, hang on. And then I said, what? So don't don't make the call yet. He said, I think I know what's going on. <laughs> so the uh, autopilot and he pulled his coffee cup up. <laughs> well, no almost uh, the uh, autopilot system on the 727 we had two different we had a block four and block five the block four the older system had like two separate channels you had a lateral um autopilot channel and a vertical and you could actually operate them um separately but usually you'd engage when you engage the autopilot it would engage both and so he's flying the airplane uh, hand flying the vertical uh the pitch mode uh, but at some point, maybe he didn't realize he had done it. He had taken the paddle for the ailerons, the ladder, the, uh, the banking of the aircraft uh, had been engaged. And so he was like fighting against the autopilot. Like, Nick, that, that just reminded me when you said that, Nick, that maybe the autopilot was, wasn't completely disconnecting. And that's why they, they had a tough time trying to turn the airplane to the left. And it was just doing what it was supposed to do. But, yeah, we were like... Whew. Okay. That was close. That was a close call. I mean, I just about made a, you know, a, an emergency, a mayday call, uh, saying that we didn't have any okay. control, you know, we
4: were just kidding.
3: And, uh, so never mind. Where's
5: my parachute.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, well, how did I get in this situation? Um, uh, yeah. but, but the airplane that, that 727, when you were hand flying it, I, there are times when I was hand flying it, we get up to 17, 18,000 feet, sometimes in the low twenties, just hand flying the airplane because it was so solid uh, when you were manually flying it, that you'd forget sometimes that you have not engaged the autopilot yet. You're just because you let go or everything and it's just like flying on its own, like it's on Brilliant. autopilot, but it's not on autopilot. <laughs> and then all yeah, of a sudden I, I remember a couple stable. of times. Yeah. I, I just like, I'd go up there to turn the heading knob and go, Oh, why is this not? Oh. Okay, I, don't know why. <laughs> I have to turn on, autopilot on. Anyway, Excellent. I digress because
5: I, I I thought you'd probably bring up the the question: uh, Why do they need autopilots? you know, three autopilots fail, So what? Hand fly the airplane to JFK, and it wasn't until we uh,
3: realized that they had this sort of oh, I can't can't turn. Yeah, we can't the airplane. control the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. You know, I had not even thought of that. Thank you, Nick, for bringing that up. That was uh, a good all. point. Good point. Not, We're not saying that's what happened, but no. that's a possibility, no, maybe. It is a possibility. All right. Um, this is an update, another update. Um, the uh, <laughs> What are they calling, calling this? Uh, P-gate? Instead P-gate. Of,
4: yeah. <laughs> instead of water, of water gate. gate. Well, kind P-gate. of water P-gate. gate.
3: Yeah, there was some water there, I guess. Uh, Air India is hit with... Uh, this is from Paddle Your Own Canoe. The Air India airline is hit with $37,000 fine over handling of the infamous P-Gate incident. Um, Let's see. The India Civil Aviation Regulator has hit national flag carrier Air India with a fine of 3 million Indian rupees. That sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, that sounds much more impressive. (laughs) I know.
5: It's $37,000. $37,000. That's not even a cheap car.
3: I know. Uh, For its handling of an unruly passenger incident in which a drunken business class passenger urinated on an elderly lady during a flight from New York JFK to New Delhi, along with a hefty fine, the Directorate General of Civil Aviation also suspended the flying license of the pilot in command at the time. Yeah, I I thought that was a bit tough. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'd really like to know exactly what happened here. Well, been
4: suspended um, by the airline, but now it's the aviation commission suspending his license.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Air India's director of in-flight services was separately slapped with a fine of three hundred thousand rupees, and just doing the math, that's about ten percent of three million. So that's only what three thousand seven hundred dollars. So yeah, uh, <laughs> not a lot. Uh, the airline has already promised to introduce new training and procedures to deal with unruly passenger incidents. Uh, so yeah, we remember that the the guy got had a little bit too much to drink. I still don't understand why he thought pulling out the the goods and urinating on an old lady in business class was appropriate, uh, even being really really drunk. But whatever. Okay. So okay, that's our so that update. should be the
4: end of that one. I hope.
3: Okay. Yes, yeah, and,
5: and they drank
3: the Americans
5: into it because, of course, he worked for Wells Fargo, so he was a mm-hmm. bit of a cowboy. Oh yeah. Oh, go. Cowboy.
3: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, and we'll save that that sound effect will come in handy for this next one here. Uh, Gee, <laughs> G. Uh, let's see from cbsnews.com. TSA confiscated a record number of guns from airline passengers in 2022. Uh, they confiscated more than 6,542 firearms from airport passengers in 2022, the highest number recorded since the agency's inception. Of those guns taken at airport security checkpoints, 88% were loaded, oh, the agency announced Tuesday. Yeah, I know. Like, wow. wow. The confiscations uh, by Do T- they
5: get them back, Jeff?
3: I don't no. think so. No, really? Well, no, I don't think Because they're so. committing a crime. By taking yeah. them in there, so and you've seen I've seen displays okay. with like the guns, you know. So yeah. I, I guess they don't get them back. So uh,
6: the
5: the TSA agents get them all, do they? They they're like six six guns.
4: TSA are heavily yeah, armed.
3: They're yeah. TSA, uh, <laughs> TSA is heavily armed. Um, <laughs> the confiscations by TSA mark a nearly ten percent increase. Over the 5972 seized in 2021, which is also a record, the agency announced in December that it was raising the maximum civil penalty for a firearms violation from $13,910 to $14,950. That'll keep them from doing Yippee.
5: it. Yeah, that extra $1,000 <laughs> is going to make all the difference.
3: Yes. Uh, okay, so they have a, a, a graph here, a chart. Thank you, Liz. Uh, of the airports with the most firearm discoveries.
4: Yay, Atlanta! And
3: Yay, yeah, Atlanta. you'll see Atlanta in there. Yeah. Oh,
5: Atlanta's number one. there. Woo-hoo. Oh, it is, yes! <laughs> Cowboy
3: now, City. Now, I will say that if you look at the two figures for DFW in Austin uh, and Houston in Texas, uh, I bet that as a percentage of passengers... Yeah. Uh, you know that that use those airports uh, in a year. I bet the the percentage is probably pretty close to the well. The uh, whole
4: total Atlanta. of the three in Texas, like Texas is well armed. Yeah,
3: yes, Texas is definitely well armed, Liz, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the top cities here, and in case you're wondering, Hartsville Jackson, Atlanta International Airport, four hundred and forty-eight, Dallas-Fort Worth, three eighty-five, Georgia, uh, George Bush Intercontinental Airport, Houston. 298. Nashville, 213. Sky Harbor in Phoenix, Arizona, 196. Guess they got some cowboys out there, too. Orlando Yeehaw. International, 162. Denver International, 156. Austin Bergstrom International, 150. Fort Lauderdale, uh, and Tampa. So we got basically Georgia, Texas, Phena- up there. Uh, Arizona, Tennessee, a lot of Florida. And Denver. Yeah. Did I mention Denver? Yeah, Denver, yeah, Colorado. That makes yeah, sense.
5: You
3: did. Yeah. Anyway.
5: Of course, um, it's not necessarily that the people of Atlanta are more gun-toting, nope. rootin' tooting nope. cowboys than anyone else. Uh, it could be that the TSA agents in Atlanta are very good at their job, and everyone else is letting <laughs>
3: the guns go that's, through. That's possible. Yeah. Mm. That's a possibility. Anyway, you know, that that... When you see this, and and then I don't know what the figure is. I'm pretty sure it's it's probably a shockingly high uh, number of uh, guns, uh, loaded guns, probably make it through without being detected, and that gives cause for concern.
5: Don't
3: they do
4: those tests every now and then? And they, it's not yeah. good.
3: So I'm just hoping that I get through and get through retirement before yeah. anybody you well, know makes it gun- through. Yeah, with a gun. Yeah. I think
4: we'll buy you a bulletproof vest for the last few months.
3: Okay. That'd be nice. Thanks, Liz. She's talking about buying a bulletproof vest for me uh, for my last few months.
4: I'm correct
5: in saying that if you're packing, then you're carrying a gun, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Well, passengers who wish to transport firearms are instructed to follow the
6: proper packing guidance. Oh, no, you can... (laughs) No, you can pack, you can literally pack, pack, pack a gun your, in your, your check and bag.
4: Making a oh, I, I
6: understand the
5: confusion now between,
3: uh, you know, packing well, told your firearm okay packing, packing your firearm. <laughs> Maybe they need to use a different term. Perhaps that's part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. Possibly. Confusing. Yeah, very confusing. All right. Um,
4: Virgin Atlantic. continue
3: with this next one. Uh, Virgin Atlantic. Find by US Department of Transportation for operating flights carrying Delta Airlines code in prohibited airspace.
5: <gasps> oh no.
0: This is
3: um, so I
5: mess. know.
3: What how is this even <laughs> news? I don't know. But uh, this yeah, is from the uh, Aviation24.be. Uh yeah, so the US Department of Transportation, the DOT today fined Virgin Atlantic 1.05 million dollars for operating flights carrying Delta's code DL. In regions in which Federal Aviation Administration flight prohib- prohibition was in effect, the airline was ordered to cease and desist from future similar <laughs> violations. Cease
5: and desist.
3: Um, so I guess Virgin operated a significant number of flights carrying the DL code over restricted aerospace in Iraq. Now, I would imagine they're using their code and then because it's World a… Fair. A code share airline, code share. but they have those other codes yeah. as well. I don't know. This doesn't seem to make sense. You see,
5: they, 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 uh, they'll they be operated as a Virgin flight with a Virgin call sign and mm-hmm. Virgin everything, except that if you're a Delta passenger, you'll be able to code share onto that flight using your Delta ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, but I sus- I suspect that, that that's
6: a It all comes down comes- to which app you can check into the flight for. Exactly,
3: yeah. So, but does, it, does that mean, uh, you know, like, if you looked at FlightAware or whatever and you looked at that Virgin flight, that it would be DL and then the flight number? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I, I don't bet know. It would I, say I, right. Virgin. That doesn't yeah, make sense. I, I suspect I'm, it would as well. I'm a, but, a little perplexed about yeah. this one, too.
5: I suspect that the, there's in the small print of the DOT, mm. it says you can't do that. Okay. Uh, unless an expensive mistake to make. I mean, I must admit, uh, on our little private retired Virgin Pilots uh, group uh, on the social means, we were having a laugh about this and commenting how how often the pilots get smacked wrists for doing naughty things, yet some administrator in operations has let this slip. Because right. it's obvious they, they just they just made a mistake and went, oh, damn, we forgot that these were code share flights. We can't do that. And that programmed the program the wrong route. Um, so, you know, and I think I wonder how many of them got fired for losing the company a million pounds. Probably nobody. But there you go.
6: I guess I was a little surprised that uh, I would have thought that the U.S. and the U.K. would have very similar guidance for flying over. Certain airspace. I
3: was a well, we don't even
5: agree, agree with the rest of Europe. So okay. <laughs> we're All not right. going to agree with you lot.
3: All right. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> okay. So you're saying that uh, the UK is kind of a bunch of cowboys?
5: Yee-haw! Oh, most certainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I a bunch of Anglo Saxons, actually. Ah. And you don't have a you don't have a, a noise for them.
3: I don't. I don't know what to push for that.
5: tally ho! Wow. Yeah. Super. Yeah, well, as good as any.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um stories uh, let's see. Of India. Another Indian airline story. Um, okay. This is from NDTV.com. Uh, BJP leader Jajazvi Surya opened oh. the emergency Ding. exit uh, of an indigo plane <laughs> last month by mistake and apologized for it. Civil Aviation Minister, the Civil Aviation Minister said today, confirming <laughs> an incident that has spurred opposition derision and attacks on the Karnataka MP. I guess these are the various parties in their political, political parties, system. Yeah. Uh, Indigo said on December 10, a passenger accidentally opened the emergency exit of its flight uh, 6E7339 Chennai to, to Poly. To Richard well, Rapali, uh, at the that's got to that's got to be right. Uh, at the Chennai <laughs> airport during the boarding process, when the plane was on the tarmac, the passenger apologized. Said the airline, a passenger was to Jossvi Surya. The aviation minister has now confirmed, over a month after the incident, it's important not to be circumspect. Look at the facts. The door did open by mistake. All checks were taken, and only after that the plane was allowed to take off. And he also said sorry for it himself. Officials say the flight was delayed by over two hours as the aircraft took off um, after the aircraft took off for its destination, only after stringent engineering checks. Uh, Mr. Surya rested his well, hand on the they door. They closed the door. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just, for the stringent engineering. Is check that really? it? It takes two hours to do know. that. Wow. Mm. I didn't say anything about the slide deploying or anything.
4: No, no.
5: No, I'm wondering if it was unarmed at the time. Must he have just been.
4: rested his hand on the door. That he just rested away. his hand on the
3: door, unlocking the exit, according to officials. Yeah, right. Um, several opposition leaders, okay, now where politics are involved, are questioning <laughs> why he got away with a mere apology and did not face more serious action, like stepping down from his position.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: resign! Resign! Oh.
3: Let's see, Uh, the incident was logged, Uh, the passenger apologized, the aircraft underwent mandatory engineering checks, Um, yeah, the the crew took note and resultantly all appropriate airworthiness actions such as reinstalling a door, pressurization check was carried out before the release of the aircraft for departure, reinstalling the door. Why would they have to do well, that? If,
5: if it wasn't a hinge door, perhaps it was an emergency exit that fell off, you know, oh, all those.
3: Okay. I don't know. Like a little I, Plug window. Could be. Something. Yeah. Well that makes
4: it. Does
3: different. it even say what kind of airplane it was? I don't think it does. No. No. Um, we left. But he said he was here. sorry,
4: so
3: Yeah. Okay.
5: Well, I don't sorry. know. He's sorry. Just, <laughs> you see, they I love this quote here. Yeah. Uh this this bloke I can't pronounce his name nearly as well as you, Jeff, uh, right. is an example of what will happen if children playing games are given proprietorship. An act of children's mischief by trying to open the emergency exit door of the plane has come to light. Why prank with the lives of passengers? <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? <Lord. laughs> was he? I don't think he was pranking. Do you? Maybe he was. I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: This is the interesting thing. Um, Shiv Sena. Uh, Shiv Sena MP Priyanka Shattervedi posted, shouldn't one take suomoto cognizance, a Latin term which means an action taken by a government government agency, court, or other central authority on their own apprehension of this incident? I actually added all that because I, I went, what does that mean, suomoto cognizance? Had anybody heard of that Latin term before? No, it's not Japanese. <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess what they're trying to say there is that shouldn't he have done more to like punish himself for right. this resign. mistake? They want and, him to resign. Yeah. Want he want? They wanted more to happen than just yeah. a, an apology. Oh, of
5: course. Thing. Well, the the opposition,
3: of course, they're going to say exactly. Okay. Yeah. Much well, to do of about Atlanta nothing.
4: Airport. This last one is a good
3: all right. Thing. Well, <laughs> this is an interesting one. Uh, uh, last, one. of course, we still have one remaining. We're waiting for yeah. stuff to to join us, but uh, item 0-1... Uh, what is that? An L-H-I-I. A passenger stormed Delta Airlines uh, gate D-7. Uh, and I'm... I, I have a good friend that's familiar with these gates. At the Atlanta airport, uh, grabbed a fire extinguisher and came out spraying. According to a witness, the woman dined and dashed from Buffalo Wild Wings. In other words... <laughs> Ate at a restaurant it's, and left without. Those wild wings, paying. they'll they'll do you those, every those time. Those wild wings. Yee-haw! When she was asked to pay, she unleashed herself on the rest of the terminal. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Um, so we do have some video. Video, yeah, uh, It's yes, kind of an interesting uh, thing to watch. And uh, so let me pull that up. So from ATL scoop. a Lady's trying to get into the door of the of the fact
0: else
3: I'm going to pause for a moment. I think I'm just guessing here. I'm thinking that 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 door that she's trying to open to the jetway to get to the jet was her flight, and somehow maybe Buffalo Wild Wings somehow. Was able oh. to alert people to not let her go on Locked the flight because down. she left without paying or whatever. I don't know for sure if that's what's happening here or not, but the door is clearly closed, and she's trying to explain that you know that somebody else paid for her meal. Okay, so let's continue. She said uh, now she's walking down the okay. uh, concourse, and apparently she has a uh, a fire extinguisher yeah. in her hands. <laughs> And she sprayed somebody that was walking up behind her with the... Now, look, there's a security guy, and he's not doing anything. I don't understand this. What's the security person doing? Just watched her walk by.
4: <coughs> this guy's choking up because he's
3: starting to breathe some of this fire extinguisher stuff. Ugh. That shit nasty. Now she's, wa- <laughs> she's nasty. <laughs> she's walking over to uh, another gate. This one is D7. That first one was a uh, 9 I think. Okay, now she still has the extinguisher. Walking toward the open jetway door. She's
8: a terrorist. <laughs>
3: the gate in is walking away hey, somebody's yelling for them to close the door a flight attendant looks like it's running over to help defuse the situation now i'm going to remove this video and then play this next one which is kind of takes over from uh, where we left off on that one and here we go open and play okay so she's walking over to uh that Gate D7. And.
5: Uh, no.
0: People are saying,
3: close that door. But the door's wide open.
0: Yeah, and
3: then she's walking back away from the door. I guess they grabbed her from the jetway and dragging her back out. And oh, now she's firing the extinguisher <laughs> <Stigler-shirk>. again. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, yeah. watch is going crazy with it. <laughs> Finally, one of the security people kind of grab a hold of her and knock her to the ground and remove the extinguisher from her. All right, her
1: family okay. already had the pictures of her bag, and I'm picking up her bag. So it's not to show her bag. So that's the uh,
3: affluent. Okay, it's very foggy in there now because of all the... <laughs> fire extinguisher. I, I don't know what kind of, uh, that must was that a carbon dioxide or was that a halon? Well, I'm assuming it was a
5: powder because yeah. people are choking on it, but yeah. CO2 doesn't tend to do That's that. And true. also, you can hear CO2 extinguishers going off, they make a big whoosh
3: yeah. as they expel the gas. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I swear, somebody else told me they were going to pay for it. Yeah, Let me go Absolutely. on my flight, darn it. <laughs> Otherwise yeah. they're going to spray you With this extinguisher So what would
5: they be charging her with?
3: Um, unlawful use of a fire extinguisher I don't know, <laughs> I don't know Yeah, given the earlier story She's probably lucky she didn't get shot According to Neil in our <laughs> yeah. live audience You're right Well,
5: all those passengers <laughs> that kept their guns
6: on them They could have yeah. shot her I know.
0: Exactly.
5: Yeah.
6: I will say The, the most glaring point for me, when I was reading this story, is um, poor Delta had nothing to do with this incident, but their name is splashed all, all over right. the article. It's right. in the title, <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: and they're just like the unfortunate uh, have the unfortunate <laughs> circumstance of being the closest gate that she goes down with the fire
3: shirt. Exactly, because you're you know Delta is not the only one that uses those gates in that terminal. Uh, who knows where where she was really trying to go um you know but uh
0: I which yeah.
5: leads me to the question yes where are the wings on a buffalo
3: hmm that is kind of because, the, particularly a wild buffalo we kind of buried them. the lead on this whole thing they cut where? Them the oh, yeah. them. what what's well, that like you you know the
6: story right it's not it's not the buffalo the animal it's buffalo the place
3: Oh, I didn't. Know Buffalo, that. New York. Yep, yep. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo, New York. That's where the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I didn't know about
6: that. It's right, uh, right
3: across the yeah river from her, or the border, or something. Yeah, not too far at all from Toronto.
4: <laughs> yep, yeah.
3: and Hamilton.
5: Yeah. Hang on a minute. Buffalo, New York's nowhere near Toronto.
4: Well, an hour Well, it's and across a half. the well, lake. New
3: York isn't anyway. Well, Buffalo, New York is right across the lake from, um, they, they're they right there. Yeah, up Buffalo, in, New York's pretty close. Yeah, yeah Niagara Falls and that part of the lake. The you side. just go across the border there, Niagara Falls, and you're in Canada. an
4: hour and a half Just a little away. bit longer.
3: Yeah, about an hour and a half, less house drive. You've got more than one New York. It's New York state. state.
4: New York State. Not New
3: York uh, City. Uh, That's a state. That's the mistake.
6: Okay, I assumed it
3: was
5: uh, well, somehow uh, This is know, confusing.
6: I uh, will uh, yeah, with- oh. withhold my comments about how confusing the whole like Britain versus UK versus <laughs> England thing is to all the Americans over here. I know. I think oh, I'm yeah, just and now let, starting they, to just let understand in this <laughs> <laughs> geographical confusion right now.
9: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
9: how many countries are in your country? That's my favorite question. <laughs> um, uh, just a few Let's see. <laughs>
3: it makes perfect sense to him. Um, hello, Steph. Uh, she is joining Hi. us. Uh, Hi, Steph. Glad Hi, to see good you. Good
9: evening. Yes, I will just preface everything with I am quite tired, and I think my computer is too. It oh no. shut down on its own. I did not do that. Evernote had a very difficult time loading just now. It seems to be up and running. So,
0: okay, Fingers I'm just going to sit
9: here and drink a beer and try to. Oh okay, no,
5: awake. you're going straight into a news <laughs> item.
3: Yeah, we're. Um, oh kind of save this what? one because it's, uh, well, it's, it's a sad my, story.
9: Evernote hasn't even loaded.
3: Well, that's all right. Go just, ahead and read it. I, just, just, I you can listen along with everybody oh, else and watch
9: the audio.
3: Yeah, don't worry about it. Just leave it alone. Okay. Um, Received this from, well, let me preface this by saying uh, one night, um, the night that this accident occurred, um, I got a, a text from uh, Radio Roger. You know, he's a, a real radio slash TV reporter. A
4: week ago tonight.
3: And a week ago tonight. Thank you, Liz. Um, and uh, he said, Jeff, is there any way to figure out, uh, I guess there's an airplane that uh, they've lost track of or something's happening to, is there any way to, you know, look up flight plans and and figure out, you know, what? who this airplane is and what's going on and that kind of thing. And I, I tried to help, but I I couldn't figure out a way to see, uh, flight plans that were filed by other parties. Um, and, you know, not scheduled airline passenger service kind of things. And, um, and then, so he sent this to me, uh, radio Roger, uh, Jeff, thanks for letting me pick your brain last night. As it turns out, even if I'd found a site for flight plans, it wouldn't have helped. This plane was going from John F. Kennedy in New York City to Cleveland, Ohio. And he said, I've attached one of my radio reports from last night. If you use it, keep in mind that it was recorded before the plane and the two victims were found. It's a timeline of the events leading up to the disappearance. You'll have to talk about the aftermath in your coverage. Thanks again, Roger. And so here, take it away. Radio Roger.
2: The plane is a six-seater Beechcraft Bonanza 836. Westchester officials say there were two people on board when the aircraft left JFK at 4.58 p.m., bound for Ohio. Less than half an hour later, at 5.25, the pilot radios Westchester County Airport to report low oil pressure. Five minutes later, the plane disappears from radar less than two miles from the airport. And in eight minutes, the county launches a search and rescue mission in the area near the airport, including Rye Lake. Rauncher Stern, 1010 winds on 92.3 FM near Westchester County Airport, north of White Plains.
3: And just to uh, be clear, he didn't do that just for our show. He did that. That was a real broadcast uh, for the area up That's in uh, New York job. City, that market. That's his real job, his 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 day job, as Liz said. Um, Okay, Um, so right now we're showing a um, FlightAware uh, flight path of the uh, flight um, left John F. Kennedy International, heads out east a little bit, then northeast, and then north over the uh, Long Island Sound. By the way, the weather that evening was not good. Uh, Heavy rain, low ceilings, and low visibilities, and uh, we're going to pick up. Um, the flight's progress while they're in the climb. I think they're leaving 3,700 feet for an assigned altitude of 8,000 feet and 1-9 Mike Tango, the Bonanza um, is the uh, accident flight and they're checking in with uh, New York departure. New York departure
10: number 1-9 Mike Tango know a 1-0 on a 0 heading.
1: Number 19, Mike Tango, New York. Just confirm you're on a 360 heading climb at 8,000.
10: Leaving 3,000, 700 for 8,000, Yeah, 360 heading.
1: Number 19, Mike Tango, proceed direct to Sparta. Just maintain your best rate of climb all the way up to 8,000.
10: Okay, direct to Sparta, all the way up to 8,000. I'm doing my best here. Thank you. departure, number 19, Mike Tango. Can
1: we stop our climb at 6,000? You can for now, but I have to climb you to 8 along this route, so if you want to level off at 6 for a minute to accelerate or do something, that's fine, but I am going to keep you climbing to 8 in about 10 to 15 miles.
10: All right, um, just, we're not getting the performance we're expecting, and I'm not certain why. Uh, what expecting.
1: Roger, are you unable 8,000? I can get you an alternate route up over Huguenot, probably, that'll keep you down low.
10: I'll just understand why we're not, we're only climbing at about 200 feet from a minute, and yeah, that's yeah, the reason why Uh So,
1: 8000 is going to take a long time to get to 1-9-MT. 1-9-MT, roger. And do uh, you think you might have an issue, or is it just, uh, you're not sure what's going,
10: what's going on? I don't see anything on the instrumentation at all, except for lack of uh, vertical feet. <laughs>
1: One nine, Mike Tango. The Westchester County Airport's right off your right wing. If you want to land and check it out.
10: Very departure. Uh, we have figured out the problem. I've got a dead cylinder, uh, so we would like to go to Westchester, and I'll take vectors for that. Mm-hmm. One nine, Mike Tango.
1: One nine, Mike Tango. You're clear to the Westchester County Airport via radar vectors. Turn right, heading three four zero, and maintain five thousand.
10: Right three four zero, uh, maintain. Five thousand one nine or Mike Tango.
1: One nine or Mike Tango, they are landing runway one six, so you can start planning the ILS runway one six.
10: It's gonna take a minute to get things around here.
1: All good, take the time. One nine Mike Tango, are you declaring an emergency?
10: Not at this time. Roger. Just to verify
1: uh, that's that uh, hotel pop in November. One nine, Mike Tango. one nine Mike Tango, affirmative. Hotel Papa November, and they're using the ILS for one way one six. All right, using ILS one six. One nine Mike Tango, when you can, make a right turn heading three four zero. Looks like I see you doing it now.
10: I am declaring an emergency. Our oil pressure is dropping. One nine Mike Tango.
1: One Mike Tango, it looks like you're on a, uh Hard right turn to the southeast. So I just want you to fly wings level and maintain 5000. Can you do that?
10: Wings level 5000.
1: So I don't care what heading, just fly wings level at 5000. 19 Mike Tango, so what heading do you show yourself on now?
10: Uh, I am on a 090 heading and we are going to declare an emergency. We are losing oil pressure.
1: 19 Mike Tango, Roger. Can you turn left heading 070 back to one 16?
10: 070 for the ILS one six one nine 19
1: Mike Tango. 19 Mike Tango, understand you're losing oil pressure?
10: Yes, we are losing oil pressure. This is an emergency, 19 Mike Tango.
1: 19 Mike Tango, roger. I'm vectoring you you're right overhead the Westchester County Airport now, so I'm going to put you on a left downwind for runway 1-6. Okay,
10: vectoring me for a left downwind for runway 1-6, 19 Mike Tango.
1: 19 Mike Tango heading three six zero and maintain three thousand. Down
10: to three thousand. One nine Mike Tango.
1: Number one nine Mike Tango. The base is at Westchester. Are reported at three hundred feet.
10: Uh, I flew that ILS uh, a
1: couple weeks ago. Um, so we'll for it. Okay, but do you want do you want to fly the, the ILS or do you want to? I'm not sure. Do you have engine power right now? Are you able to maintain altitude? No, the engine is ready, Mike. Southwest 1599, go to Rec Park, contact departure, one two zero eight five.
10: Is that for American?
1: Mayday, 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 mayday. Number one nine, Mike Tango, understand the airport's just behind you now. You want to start a left turn if you can, I'm seeing a right turn. American 1581, heading 290. nine zero, American 1581. And center, was that for American fifteen
10: ninety nine direct park in twenty eighty five?
1: American fifteen ninety nine all track one two zero eight five direct park.
10: All right, good luck.
1: Thank you. Number one nine Mike Tango, the airport is now at your eight o'clock and five miles. One nine Mike Tango, heading with be uh, two two zero direct to the runway. Two two zero heading direct to the runway. American fifteen eighty one go direct Biggie contact departure one two zero eight five.
10: Big E 12085, American fifteen one. good
1: luck. 19 Mike Tango, the airport's now at your 11 to 10 o'clock and 3 miles. 11 to 10 o'clock, 3 miles. The airport's now 12 o'clock and just under 3 miles now. Number 19 Mike Tango, you're set up p- perfectly for a left base runway 16. 11 o'clock and just under 2 miles. Number 19, Mike, you. You the, uh, airport, yes. one nine Mike thank you look beautiful for the left base for runway one six. Airport touch at ten o'clock and two point seven miles. I've
10: got two thousand three hundred altitude.
1: Understood. Yes. One nine Mike a thank you. The airport touch your nine to ten o'clock and two point four, so you're looking really good for that left base. Again, the bases are reported at three hundred.
10: because I, I can see a thing
1: up here. I understand. You want to turn back to the right now. That left turn you just did there, you want to turn back to the right, heading 2, 2, maybe a 2.30, heading to set you up for the final. Windsor 1, one zero at 7. 1-9 Mike Tango, you are clear to land. Runway 1-6, the uh, runway is at your 10 o'clock at 1.7 miles. Turn left, heading 160 1-9 one Mike Tango, heading one six zero for the runway. 9 Mike Tango, I'm showing the runway off your left wing 1.7 miles and 900 feet indicated, just make sure you uh, you'll break out at 300, you should see the lights. 1 9 Mike Tango, the airport's now at your 10 to 11 o'clock and a 1.6 miles 1.6 miles One, 1 9 Mike Tango, you just want to go slightly left and keep the shallow descent going you should break out here shortly 1 9 Mike Tango, you want to go more like a uh, 150 to 140 heading to the runway. One-nine-Mike-Tango, you want to correct back to the left now for the runway at your 10 o'clock. Radar contact lost. One-nine-Mike-Tango, one the runway's at your 10 o'clock and less than a mile.
0: One-nine-Mike-Tango?
1: One-nine-Mike-Tango, radar contact lost. One-nine-Mike-Tango?
0: One-nine-Mike-Tango?
1: Any word from him? I don't have anything on the uh, the aircraft right
3: now. Does anyone, if you're on frequency, do you hear any ELC? Okay, I mean I, that's probably the third or fourth time I've listened to that, and it just makes me, it makes my heart rate. And g- just try, you know, putting myself in the position of these two people, uh, the pilot in this airplane, that. Is having engine trouble and just the worst weather you can imagine. Uh, Mm Three hundred foot Mm -hmm. ceiling is just three hundred foot ceiling. You know, even makes airline pilots a little on edge. (laughs) So
9: this was was a combination of all the bad things at all the wrong times. Um, I mean, listening to it, I I think you'd find you'd have a hard time finding any fault with anything that was said there, done there. I think they were both doing the best with what they they had in that moment. Yeah. As to the reason for why they, you know, the the ultimate reason why they had the engine issue, not sure, but, you know, loss of cylinder, oil pressure dropping, it's pretty.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, and you could even hear that I had to bump up the uh, transmissions from uh, one nine, Mike Tango Um because it was a really low level Uh, but in in doing the bumping up of the audio level you could you could hear the engine in the background and when he first started communicating with new york departure it sounded like it everything was running smoothly and then Mm -hmm. those parts where he said i don't know what's going on the performance is not what i'm expecting it's only 200 feet per minute i don't know why you could almost hear something wasn't quite right with the engine at that point and then those last few transmissions that we heard, I didn't hear any engine noise at all. So I think the engine mm. had just shut down completely. Um, the uh, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, so initially when and, and this, by the way, this this uh, New York departure controller was just amazingly awesome. Mm. Uh, the way he stayed calm and was giving directions and encouraging him and positive comments uh, was was really really good and. I think initially what he did when he said that, yeah, I want to go to um, White Plains, Westchester County, HPN. I think he's when he set him up on that 340 heading, uh, which is in the lower left-hand corner of this graphic that we're seeing now on the on the video. Um, I think he was setting him up for a right downwind to uh, do the ILS to one six. And I'm wondering, I don't know, this is just speculation, if he had, I think what happened is he got so task saturated with the engine troubles and trying to reconfigure everything in his um, instrumentation or his avionics. I'm not sure what kind of a, you know, if he had a Garmin system or it had an old, more of an old fashioned kind of uh, setup um, when he was looking up all that information or setting it in his, Flight computer, I think he didn't realize he was continuing that right turn. Instead of rolling out on 340, he ended up heading out more to the east and even southeast at one point, I think the uh, air traffic controller said. And so he said, okay, now I'm just going to have to pass him over or just south of the airport and set him up for a left downwind. And I'm wondering if he hadn't been distracted and hadn't made that huge turn to the east or southeast. And if you continued on that 340 heading and then a base, a right base and landing at feet would still have had enough power left to actually successfully fly this ILS approach. I don't
9: know. It's just speculation. Yeah, an unknown. And I was wondering that looking at the picture, but then listening to the communications, I wasn't 100% certain, but you've listened to it a few more times than I have. So, sometimes going back through those things and really, you know, looking at everything together and in sequence can kind of piece that together a little bit better. But yeah, you know, this is one of those things where you listen to incidents like these happen and you can't help but think, okay, if I'm in that situation, what is my plan of action going to be? And I think it really just drives home that point of you can't really delay on figuring out your plan of action and then acting on it immediately. You know, you've got this airport, you know, within striking distance, go straight there, get there as quick as you can. Try not to, you know, um, add any unnecessary mileage to that track because if you're having engine trouble and it, that engine quits on you, then you've got to be able to glide to that airport. Um, and and I'm certainly not, I mean, like I said, I, I think everything that happened here sounded very reasonable to me and I think anyone in their situation probably would have done exactly the same.
3: Had it been via or VMC. Oh, completely different situation. <laughs> it would have, this probably wouldn't have been a, we wouldn't be talking about it.
9: No. They would have um, seen the airport. They would have gone straight there. They would have landed. Yeah.
3: Um, I, I have a question for uh, Nick C. Um, the Bonanza, I'm not, you know, you, you have a Debonair, which is a kind of an, is an early version of the Bonanza or a, yeah. Uh, and I'm looking at the airspeed of this, um, of this, uh, data um, printout of the uh, flight airspeed got up to looks like over 200 knots. Is that, is that a normal speed for a Bonanza or
6: Uh, that's on the high side? Yeah. Um, You know, definitely on the high side for a airplane with engine trouble. Um, You know, this is an airplane that probably cruises at somewhere between 160 and 170 knots. Okay. So 200 would be feasible um, it'd be hard to do in straight and level flight, but I would, I would anticipate that's probably a, a period of flight where they maybe got a little overwhelmed. and yeah. had a
3: may brief, have been during uh, that whole turn that yeah. he was making that he should not have made, and because he's trying and to IMC get, and yeah, yeah, and you know what? that controller, you know, again, you know, kudos to him saying, look, just roll, roll out wings level. I don't care what heading, just wings level, because he could kind of I'm, I'm wondering if this controller uh, is a pilot himself and understands how you can get disoriented and task saturated very very quickly in a situation like this
9: yeah that makes that would make sense to me because it takes thinking through putting yourself in that situation to know what's happening from the pilot's perspective which you know unless you have some of that experience it's hard to know how to do that i would say even as a controller my um I have very limited experience flying Bonanza, but maybe question for Nick C as well, but glide characteristics of aircraft like this, not the greatest.
6: Not good. No, not great. I mean, it's uh, man. I was trying to think, I think maybe nine to one is a number that sticks out in my head. Um, for glide ratio. And, you know, so in other words, like for every one foot, you lose, you go nine feet forward. That's not great. Um, and, uh, you know, in all of the engine out training that I've done, one of the uh, significant factors that's been hammered into my head is to uh, pull the prop back. Mm-hmm. So this airplane has a constant speed prop. And um, when you lose power, uh, basically what happens is instead of the propeller pulling the airplane, the engine driving the propeller, the propeller basically drives the, the engine. And there be, there comes a point where, Instead of generating thrust, that propeller is acting like drag, right? And so what you want to do is put it in the coarsest pitch possible to get it to slow down as much as possible, and that'll reduce the drag, and it'll significantly increase your glide uh, performance. But uh, the other aspect of that propeller is it's a hydraulically actuated propeller, and so it's spring-loaded to the fine position, and then you use um, a governor and oil pressure to move the blades back to uh, off the fine pitch stop to whatever setting you want to maintain an engine speed, and you notice he said uh, the engine is surging or the engine is over revving. And I, I think what's happening there is as he's losing oil pressure, not only is the engine uh, losing power, but he's also losing control of, of the propeller, the prop.
9: yeah,
6: because uh, the governor's not going to be able to work the way that he's saying. So you know that's just another ancillary factor, and uh, it's way down the list, right for concerns that he has or issues that he has um but uh you know it is one of those things where uh if you practice uh yeah main man micah says glide ratio 10 to 1 so i got close um it's one of those things where if you even if you practice engine outs a lot and you um get used to pulling the prop back you may be in a scenario where you don't have that option and so now we you're dealing with there it's not yeah helping, you're dealing or... with an airplane in worst case scenario and now it's not even performing the way you anticipated performing even if you have all that training which you know a lot
3: of people may be lacking and uh, you know
9: we I, can't hear whatever jeff is trying to say. oh yeah jeff was trying, trying to say
3: something well i can hear myself just fine <laughs> i thought he was just trying to pat <laughs> steph on the head <laughs> oh no, i was going to say that what when, when i Saw the situation and the fact that the engine had shut down, and I was looking at the, at the altitudes and distance to the runway. I'm thinking, I, it brought me back to that AOPA. Uh, what do they call it? The impossible turn uh, experiment mm-hmm. that they did. And one mm-hmm. of the airplanes in that was the was Bonanza, uh, Bonanza mm-hmm. and cool. that was the airplane that never, no matter what they did when they made that U-turn to come back to the airport, it never made it back because yeah, it, it, it just, just doesn't it, have that not kind of a good. Performance. It, yeah, it's not a glider. at all no yeah
9: and i mean then uh, you know we already talked about this but yeah, in imc uh break out at 300 feet that's not that just doesn't set you up optimally for trying to figure anything out you know if you don't have engine power at your disposal to fly an ils and you're trying to dead stick it it's it's
6: yeah so that's that's another thing i was going to bring up is uh we're all looking at this um like sitting at our computers right with all of the facts at our disposal, and it's still hard to determine what the best uh, decision or best scenario is. yeah, uh, you know, obviously I'm in a couple of uh, beach groups and bonanza groups where this has has been a topic, and um the amount of discussion or discourse about even things like there's like a group of people that are like he should have gotten vectored out and gotten as stable and as straight an approach to the runway as he could get. And then there's a whole other group of people that are like, no, he should have Been gotten over the over airport, top. spiraled Circled. down. And even if he comes out of the clouds at 300 feet in a spiral um, and can't get the airplane lined up with a runway, at least he is over.
9: And there's a, multiple. There's more than one runway here. There's so multiple even if runways, you're not aligned with the one that you intend ways. on landing on, you might have a better option at 300 Sh- feet.
6: Sure. But if you're coming out of the clouds in a spiral... So let's say you're coming down at seven or 800 feet a minute, maybe 600 feet, 600 feet a minute. You basically have 30 seconds, right? From the time you come out of the clouds to the time you're impacting the ground. And it, man, it's just, uh, it's like, I don't know what I would do. It's I, I mean, I, I'm sitting here thinking about it and I, obviously I'm not an instrument guy, so I don't have all the details, but, uh, or I don't have all the knowledge there, but man, if you just had, if you just asked me right now and had me, um, Put you on the spot. Yeah. I, what's, I your, what what your what's your, what's your gut? What's your gut? I think, I am just think I would, me. I think I would spiral down because, and this is, this has always kind of been my mentality. Um, especially with that airplane, right. Is I, I pay for insurance and the minute something goes wrong in the airplane, it's like, I treat it like the insurance just signed the check for me. And I have my main concern is getting the airplane on the ground with as minimum impact energy as possible. And I think if I'm spiraling down over the airport, um, the likelihood is low that if I come out of the clouds at 300 feet, I'll be able to get the gear down, get the wings level and get the airplane pointed at a piece of concrete. But I think it's pretty decent the odds are pretty decent that I could get the wings level and get the nose up and get the airplane slowed down before it hit the ground.
9: Mm. I, you know, especially in an aircraft, um, that has the aerodynamics of a brick. Um, and I've flown not so much the Bonanza, but the Piper arrow <laughs> reminded me a lot of, uh, um, I saw a funny cartoon from a CFI one time where, um, for power off one eighties, trying to teach it to their, their commercial students. Um, the suggestion was: as soon as you pull the the power back for your simulated engine failure, you throw a brick out the window and follow it. Um, that's how you want to turn back to the See, airport. This is a
6: this is a perfect example of like different backgrounds. Yeah, because coming from like Luscombe Ch- Champ background, I'm like the bonanza it, you, is a rocket.
9: Well, you have it to know is, your airplane, right? You have a, to know the it is the a
6: missile, right? Performance <laughs> of your
9: aircraft. So yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have to do that in other airplanes that I fly. But if I was in that airplane, I'd want to be. I would. I would want to. This is so hard. This the situation is is almost impossible, right? Because you're in IMC, you know. You, you there, the potential for being disoriented with everything else going on is huge, right? You're trying to look at everything going on with the engine. It's this was nighttime as well. Uh, yeah. 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 So dark. dark. IMC, engine failure. Um, who knows what they were? You know, someone the uh, chat brought up was there. You know, the windscreen covered in oil. Maybe I know incidents where that's happened as well. So even if you break out at 300 feet, can you still see where you're going? I don't know the, the ideal scenario in my mind in a, in an aircraft like that, and this is just my, my first gut reaction, gut thought is I would want to be directly overhead the field, you know, spiraling, coming down. And as I come out of that last spiral, be immediately, well, yeah, 300 feet. This is, this is really tough, you know, try and make that 300 feet on that last spiral around lined up with the runway that you intend to land on or, yeah. or in a heading in that configuration I, over, so the this aircraft, is, over the
6: airport. And that, that's another thing I was going to bring up. And it's too bad. Nick just walked away because he was actually going to have some relevant input for this. But I think Jeff was <laughs> the first thing I thought of was like, uh, like high key, low key setting up for uh, jet, engine out scenario goes and the way that you guys managed uh engine outs in training i assume for uh maybe not the t38 because you had two engines but
3: um no we did single engine Um, airplanes yeah in the t37 and t38 um the preferred method for uh, even a single engine failure was to come in in an overhead pattern and uh, hit the high key low key thing but here's here's something that you gotta you have to consider the accuracy of that new york departure controller's radar
9: is is it fantastic
3: accurate enough to to actually get them right over the top and in a position to land on a listening to him spiral
9: well maybe not but listening to him talk it's pretty darn close yeah you know and it's not like he i mean he still presumably has other instruments at his disposal in the the cockpit you know his altimeter his vertical speed airspeed all of that stuff is working hopefully um
3: but the thing uh, that, that I, in my experience when i'm up flying and usually at cruise altitudes or you know mid teens and traffic is called out to me it's always like a mile or two closer or beyond where they're telling me to you know it, there's well so, there's some, so some of that is
9: there's some well But also, too, I will say some of that's probably a matter of perspective. I spend like 90% of my time flying, picking out um, other aircraft in the area and trying to anticipate where. And and I'm looking at ADSB info in real time, listening to controllers call out traffic, knowing where the arrivals are and where aircraft I expect to see them. There are so many variables that go into how you're going to see and identify that aircraft. I'll tell you that time of day, lighting, um, cloud coverage, both and whether something's backlit or not, your actual heading versus your track, their actual heading versus their track, all of those things are variables. And it makes it seem like it's not exactly where that aircraft should be.
3: Well, and I can tell you that many times they've said traffic 12 o'clock, one mile. And I've said, no, I've, I've already watched them while
9: past. they're telling me about so it, it's already passed by i, was now, I know my we're operating
3: at really high speeds, so that's yeah, part
9: it, of it. it my experience in the you know approach and departure controller realm of things it's yeah. it's more accurate, accurate than that okay yeah because yeah.
3: everything is a lot slower, that's pretty, slower and what i'm thinking of is yeah. at cruise altitudes yeah. and you're yeah. like you know going i don't
9: know about center controllers and, and yeah, their true. stuff but their radar may changes. not be
3: quite as uh, high high as high resolution as the uh, at the the lower altitude controller radar
9: but i'll say i just want to say one other thing too we're, <clears throat> yeah. before we move too far from you know accuracy of trying to figure out how to dead stick an aircraft at night in the uh, in imc and with an engine that's failed i do a lot of approaches you know flying jumpers we basically after the last jumper is out we try to do a descent with power at idle so
6: they try to hurt the airplane as much as possible <laughs> without without yeah, actually without, hurting the airplane.
9: <laughs> we don't do that in the 182. So I'll just tell you that much right now. It's a little bit different. Um, but basically, it, you know, an idle descent all the way to the runway, the objective is to never have to touch the power um, if we can. So, and, you know, we're pretty high up 14,000 feet a lot of the time when we start and we do it a lot on repeat. So we have a very good sense of you kind of start to identify in the environment that we're in because it's always the same airport what your landmarks are, where you need to hit, what that, uh, you know, what that site picture looks like as you're coming down and how it changes as you move through uh, denser air, warmer air, because that does change. Um, And usually we're pretty good at that every once in a while, you know, you can still not be perfect with your accuracy, even though you're basically right over the airport. Um, And Even in my home environment, doing that at night in IMC would be terrifying to me. So,
3: yeah. And uh, the only frame of reference that I have when you say 300 feet, if if I'm not at 300 feet and I break out, if I don't see the runway right straight ahead of me, that's that's a missed approach. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have yeah, they don't
9: have an option here. There was I no know. option.
3: And I'm thinking, you're talking about spiraling, sp- spiraling down. And, and I'm thinking, the chances of this guy actually getting anywhere close to that runway when he broke out at 300 feet. I mean, even, even if got, the engine was still got, right.
9: They got close, and it's such a It's such a shame terrifying It's such a tra- tragic outcome because they did everything, I think, as best they could have given the circumstances they were in.
3: I agree. I agree. That's really really quite sad um Very you know this, these are two um two lives that were uh lost um here's a uh, picture of the two uh mm. uh fatalities um
0: mm.
3: and i guess they were lo- well loved and liked by a lot of people out there and uh flying home from a funeral i believe
6: oh really oh, wow. so they had flown i think from chicago to new york
9: Pretty Tim Franram is wondering how far from the airport the plane was found. It's just, there's a lake right at the approach end of that runway, and it was just on the other side of the lake in the trees. Yeah. I, think I it mean, was not about, far, like a mile. I think the last time you
3: gave him, yeah, like a, about a mile 1. and a half 3. or so. Yeah. yeah,
9: Not not far. Uh, very
3: sad. Yeah. Very sad. Okay. Well. Um,
4: time to get to know us. Time to
3: get to know us. Yes, ma'am. Okay, here we go. Let me pull that out. Thank you. Oh.
4: Sorry. Oh. I can't
3: work you. <laughs>
4: Sorry. Oh, shoot.
3: Okay. You do it, Liz. <clears throat> okay. Getting to Know Us is that uh, segment of the show where we get all caught up with what we've been doing between shows. This was a big gap of uh, yeah. recording time. Uh, than normal, um, uh, we recorded um, a week, a week from Monday. Monday, a week ago Monday. So we're on Thursday now. So that's I don't know what ten, 10 eleven days. days, a week and a half or so. That's anyway. Uh, it's been a while, um, and uh, let's see who would like to tell us about what's been happening with them uh, first. I should probably pick on Captain Nick since he's uh, bending down to do something. I don't know, um, and he's and he's still he's muted. Muted. <laughs> still muted
6: then he's still muted
3: are <laughs> his, his earphones what? muted also
9: i think so somehow he knew so to talk, uh, i but, thought uh,
5: if i stayed muted then you'd pick someone else <laughs> 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 you're wrong, wrong? <laughs> eh. well i'm very glad to say that nothing has happened in my world uh it's oh, not being that's quiet. not true nah.
0: no nope.
5: <laughs> well do you know something has happened?
3: Yeah, yes, stuff happened today. today. I think you. And there's uh, been you some. Won a
5: match? Or uh, something. I, I got through to the final of the over 65 singles in my bowling club, but that's no. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah, that's that's
3: good. I think.
5: Uh, thank you very much. Actually, uh, th- we've been I've been playing uh, a lot this week, and we've had some very good results. So we're top of the league in one of my groups of players so we're very pleased with that Excellent. um but aviation though that's that's ah. why we're all here isn't it Bloody flying and um i was very glad to meet the lovely sam dawson uh i think you remember me mentioning yep. he uh flies into london heathrow every now and again and uh he jumped on a Train came down, saw us. We went out to a nice pub and then came back for a bite to it. Anyway, I got this in the mail, and um, Sam has apparently a broken propeller. Oh uh, no! no I'm really joking. Well, what, so Nick, Nick
3: C knows how to fix that. <laughs> exactly. No, it is, you can dress it is it a fabulous anyway.
5: book uh, yeah, written be by uh, Betty Gook. Um, about Baz Bagby, who uh, apparently, um, according to the the short note that was written with it, uh, um, was uh, one of Sam's uncles, or, or perhaps his, I don't know how many uncles he's got, perhaps he's only got the one, uh, who was an aerial observer in World War One, and then uh, became a pilot after the war, during the occupation, uh, he was friends with such fantastic American aviators as uh, Billy Mitchell, uh, Jimmy Doolittle, and um, Carl Spatz. And in World War II, he was uh, back to active duty as a transport pilot. Uh, he started off as an observer, then became a pilot. Uh And he went AWOL, apparently, from Eisenhower's headquarters. (laughs) Not a great career move, but um, it was so that he could uh, jump um, with the 82nd Airborne during the Normandy invasion. So (laughs) I thought, what an amazing bloke. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, So thank you very much indeed uh, for that. You mentioned um, Billy so, Mitchell.
9: I'll have to look into the uh, history of that because that's the name of the airport at uh, Hatteras in the Outer Banks here in North Carolina.
5: Oh, wow. Well, Billy Mitchell uh, was a uh, remarkable. He's really uh, one of the fantastic uh, aviators who formed uh, you know, American yeah. – uh, was should, a driving force in American that, military uh, aviation. The B-25 is named after him. The yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. And so is the and was a Milwaukee
3: International Airport
4: I was just going to say Milwaukee yeah. yeah,
5: He was famously court-martialed For criticizing the sort of General staff of the military at the time For building more uh, Battleships when they should Be building aircraft carriers Which I thought was fantastic um, Anyway, they, yeah, Billy Mitchell fan- oh, to, amazing to go back and study
9: my, study my history somewhere yeah, I really yeah, don't really Anyway,
5: I'm going to uh, take a look At this, and if I can find a plane tail In it Without um, upsetting too much copyright, I don't think that'll be a problem since Sam will be on my side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do one about that, but I can't wait to read. Yeah, that Sam and first. I so were supposed, supposed to meet awesome up in
3: awesome. um, in uh, at Newark a um, yeah. couple trips ago, but that didn't work out. That, anyway. Oh, what a shame! Well, he's coming to the UK again uh, well, next month. Obviously, he's he, got three
5: trips. You're so more favored than I am. Yeah, I'm <laughs> better <than you.
0: laughs>
5: And one, uh, I'm on the blower. Do you want me to uh, mention the artwork? Yeah, why not? There oh. you go. You guys left me with an easy piece of artwork because it was about stowaways, and
9: I recognize that picture actually. <laughs> yes, you do.
5: So uh, that's an amalgamation, actually, because we were talking about what I did. Uh, when I did a walk around in a, in a country where um, it might be possible that stowaways will climb into your undercarriage base, because oh. on the 340, it was such well, a damn a big airplane, I couldn't look up into the undercarriage base, I used to reach up with my phone and take a picture of the inside of the bay, which is kind of the right half hand half. That's A340. Uh, and the left half, of course, I needed someone. Uh, You've got to have a Boeing face, in there. Pretty face yeah. yeah, I know. The left uh-huh. half uh, say um, <laughs> it's a it's their strange Boeing seven thirty seven turned into a maritime aircraft. I can't remember. Oh, I thought called. it was
3: the B fifty two.
5: No. No, oh, no. I think it's okay. no,
3: that's the. talking the about the three. Yes, the Poseidon or yeah. whatever? Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah, that's the fella. And actually, it's a perfect, uh, because I blended the two, it, it's a perfect example of uh, a Boeing the, um, no, um, philosophy against it. Airbus philosophy, because <laughs> right. they're both undercarriage based. Uh And um, anyway, uh, of course, you have to play Hunt the uh, APG Stowaway. And um, Steph's looking for him, and she's not looking
3: in the right spot. I can tell you that
5: for now. The- well, she looks like she's <laughs> almost
3: looking uh, about where your head is, uh, up there in the upper right-hand corner. Well, Nick. I
5: think she's, she hasn't quite I've, got me. She's got looking Rick. straight up. Looking at Rick, uh, yeah. Rick's for peering Rick. through a little porthole. You're sticking your finger, picking your nose. Yeah, there. thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> what? Yeah. what the heck?
3: Uh,
5: Exactly. Uh, uh, Nick's uh, they are hiding behind a bit of a bulkhead, yep. uh, and Steph's uh, sorry. Uh, Liz is squeezed in beside a hydraulic accumulator. At least that's yeah. what I assume that uh-huh. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm up behind, I am stuck there with the hat on, uh, up behind the uh, articulating rim of the gear. <laughs> anyway, that was yeah, there. Well, was that a bit of fun, and uh, I think yeah. we've got one for next week. What did we say? Uh, Thumbing bum minded neutral. Yeah, that's a help. very long title. <laughs> well, worse
3: for me. Can't wait okay. to see what does that. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, yeah, beautiful. Now, where is the uh, show number on this thing? I looked and I could not find
5: it. Oh, it's easy. Uh, look in the W. Uh, the right-hand half of the W. Which, Which W? w? Uh, and, ah, very good point. Uh, <laughs> the one that is on the yellow uh, bit of pi- uh, yeah. the pipe that's got a yellow wrap
3: around it. Okay, I, I can't zoom in close you'll enough find, to see it.
5: Okay, you'll find it's written
3: there sideways. Just okay, to make it a little difficult. All right. Well, that was yeah, that was a tough one. A tough one. It beautiful, was a tough one. You're beautiful right, yes. work uh, there. But I like as Rick's always. new tattoo. Mm. Uh, what is his tattoo? I can't tell either.
5: He's got an his APG, APG logo, on his logo, logo Oh, that's logo nice. He's well, he had some work done well, since we've seen him
3: last. <laughs> yes.
5: <laughs> okay. He some ink. Well, I thought if he's not going to pitch up, he's going to get a bit of, uh, <laughs> of uh, you yeah. Uh, yeah, we won't let him forget. Every time variety. he looks it's in the, like, in the, like the mirror, an, he'll remember. You know, that,
9: that, oh, yeah, someone's yeah, forehead yeah. with a with a Sharpie when they pass out too early at the party. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, that's exactly right.
3: Absolutely. I love it yes very well done nick all right right, thanks very good um how about stephanie how have Mm. you been
9: i've been well thanks um yes it's been an uneventful uh week and a half for me as well for the most part um on saturday uh here in charlotte we have the u.s national whitewater center which is a really interesting place um they do Supposedly, they do training for the whitewater events for the Olympics, like kayaking and that type of stuff. They have a competition channel built. and um, Mostly what happens, though, is that people like me show up, and people show up with their families, and they have the uh, whitewater channel that you can go through as like kind of a guided raft ride, and they have uh, ropes courses and... Uh, um, a bunch of trails and mountain biking and, and things like that, and they host this race series. So, one or two weekends well, uh, probably even more than that maybe one or two days or events per month. They um, have some sort of event, usually, it's a, a trail race of some sort or a mountain biking race. Um, The one this past weekend was, uh, I'll put it in quotes, a speed skating race, short track speed skating, which you were not allowed to wear actual speed skates to. You can come in your figure skates or your hockey skates because that's what they rent there and they wanted everyone on equal footing, I suppose, and probably not to impale each other with very long blades that they may or may not know how to actually use. Um, But the, the short track was this in the winter, part of the um, the pond that they use for um, kind of resetting for the, the boat runs and the, the different whitewater channels, um, they drain it, basically, and they set up an ice skating rink. And they also set up this kind of ice skating trail. So it's kind of this oval-ish trail with some other turns built into it. And the skating event was doing laps around this oval in pairs of, well three, two to four competitors at a time. I think we only had two or three. Not a lot of people showed up for this event, which was surprising to me considering this is definitely a place known for winter sports. It's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they had kind of a, uh, a youth division, which was like 10 and unders. And that was fun to watch. They just had to do one lap around the, the, uh, the trail and, um, couple of different rounds to get to a winner so that everyone had a chance to compete at least a couple times. That was fun. And then they split the rest of us up into, we could self-select into a recreational group or a competitive group. And I'm very glad I picked the recreational group because the competitive group were basically local hockey players. And that would not have been the right place for me to to compete. Um, And as it was, the the recreational group was great. It was kind of an odd mashup between those of us who were like in the 30 to 50 age range, and mostly runners who do a lot of the other uh, race series um, on occasion, trail runs, but also know how to ice skate. And um, some teenagers who are very good at ice skating. And those of us who were a bit on the older side, we really got our butts kicked by these teenagers. <laughs> um, it was quite difficult. We had to do two laps. Youngsters. Of this, oh man, it was, it was tough. It was really <laughs> tough. <laughs> we did two laps of this trail, which is not I'm sure it was longer than like regulation, short track stuff um, with some pretty tight turns in there as well, because it wasn't exactly oval. It was kind of meandering a little bit. Um, Not the smoothest ice in the world either. Um, So definitely you had to take one of the one of the quarters in particular had kind of this like bump build into it, like a speed bump. So as you came around the corner, you had to like make sure you didn't launch yourself or lose your footing. (laughs) Um, But man, we we would come off that, that track and just be like. That was tough. That second loop every time. Like it was a lot of, a lot of work and they did it as double elimination. So you had to keep going back out and into your, if you weren't winning, you were just in the loser's bracket and you had to keep racing. Um, I think I probably did it four or five times and I was like wiped out afterwards. So it was good exercise. It was a lot of fun. I did not win any prizes. I think I came in fourth or fifth place out of like eight, (laughs) maybe nine.
3: That's a good thing. You're not a very competitive person.
9: Yeah, it's really. definitely a good thing. So, no, I you know the the sorry, in no, the sorry. last race I was in the girl that I lost to I think she was probably fourteen. She went on to get third place and she was very good. So, that she definitely deserved it. She was a much better, much faster skater than I was. Um, did not do anything aviation related. So that's really all I've got there. Um, I have worked a lot. I've worked out a lot. Been aside from ice skating, been back in the pool a bunch and running a bunch and, um, finally have my bike set up on the new trainer that I bought for myself on black Friday. And it's finally kind of up and running. I don't know what I'm doing with bicycles. So it's been a learning curve for me, trying to get it all set up appropriately and turning myself into a bike mechanic.
3: Is Oh, so it's like more of a real bike kind of thing, not a it's Peloton my road or bike. whatever. Okay. Gotcha.
9: Uh, yeah. It's my gotcha. road bike put onto a, a trainer. Okay, rollers kind of,
3: or uh, no, or it fixed? it's got a gear. Okay. Yeah. Fixed. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> cool.
9: So, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's been been a good week, but I'm uh, I have worked out a lot this week, and I'm feeling it today. I'm I'm a little tired. I'm not gonna Feels laugh. good though, right? Oh, it's a good sort tired, of? but yeah, yeah. I'll be ready for bed as soon as we wrap up here. It'll be like eight thirty. I'll be like.
3: Okay. Well, don't go <laughs> yet. Yeah.
9: No, 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 no. I'm still here. It's okay. It's
3: okay.
4: okay.
3: Nixie. Nixie.
6: Uh, same for me. Not a lot going on. Uh, I guess I did. I took one more work trip since we last chatted. I uh, spent some more time in Dayton. Uh, successfully wrapped up my testing for work without uh, catastrophically breaking anything, which <laughs> is a plus. Um, That's good.
4: That's a good thing.
6: My travel out and back was pretty uh, nondescript, I guess, because I can't think of any issues that I had. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the time, uh, spending some of my evenings, uh, out at the hangar working on the Luscombe manual, uh, getting it all taken apart. Uh, it was a big football weekend last weekend and the chiefs who is, uh, my family's team won and moved on. So now they're in the conference championship. So I'll be booked this Sunday again to watch them play in that and hopefully, uh, move on to the Super Bowl after that.
3: He's going to be the quarterback for uh, Casey.
6: Uh, Mahomes practiced yesterday, and he said okay. he felt good. Oh, good. It was okay. uh, yeah. For all the international people, our quarterback, which is the most important position, and the Chiefs have the Chiefs quarterback is
9: he's very good, arguably the
6: best player in the league. Yeah, very good. <laughs> he got injured. Yeah. He got injured last weekend, yes. and so um, that's been like the most talked about point in sports media. And there were like. All the reporters were paying special attention to when he walked out to his uh, press conference yesterday. Everyone was like taking videos of his feet. So there are like all these videos of Patrick Mahomes from like the thigh down so they could see how like he walked up and down the stairs (laughs) and like provide their. Uneducated medical. Gate, they're reference. Gate analysis.
9: Yeah, these are gate analysis experts. Yeah. you know, yep. you know, the media for sure did not pull in some sort of physical therapist or right. No, know, they're like, up, no, they're
6: like no, it's a thousand percent. It's some guy same, who has a journalism degree and he's like, oh look, same he landed a little tinder as he came off of that that uh, last step, and it's like, the
9: like, same oh, reporters on, who will God. then go and write an aviation article and yes. pick the wrong aircraft for the <laughs> right. Yeah. thing.
6: You're right. So
9: we love our, our journalists out there. Like, we do. We love you yeah, guys. You're, you guys are great, but mm, we
3: do <laughs> just stay in your lane. No okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Do I get I'm to just go now?
9: Contractually obligated to move yeah. over. Oh, actually, I was going to say that we oh, may have incurred. I was going to say
6: one thing to captain <laughs> Nick. Uh, I didn't realize he was a star Wars guy. <laughs> but he is well, sporting I'm a uh, uh,
9: yeah. most
6: Eisley Cantina T-shirt today. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, I,
9: I didn't see that. Yep, nice on Tatooine.
5: One of my Christmas presents. Absolutely. Nice. No, I'm I'm a great fan of that and Star Trek. I might add,
6: so I can you know I can bat for both sides. Have you kept up with both of them all the way through to all the new? You know, now they're releasing like all the new Star Wars. TV series and Star Trek is doing thing. Absolutely,
5: yeah. I mean, the number of uh, channels I've had to uh, join, you know, <laughs> so I could, could watch the latest uh, Star Trek series that had just come out with Captain Pike roaring around uh, in uh, – uh, 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 he's in the Enterprise and, for heaven's sake, Kirk's uh, in the Farragut. I don't know what's going on there. And, um, uh, yeah, and – the latest uh, Star Wars Anderson's is um, Andor. Is that his name? I think it's so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very much it's enjoyed good. that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Keeping keep up to date.
3: Nice. It's all good stuff. I have not been doing any of that.
5: <laughs> oh, well, you're a working man. What do you expect? What been doing,
3: Jeff? So uh, we recorded the last show when I was on the second day of a four-day trip. I was in Burlington, Vermont. told you all about the fun we had with the jet bridge. Um, Trip got um, better, I think. Yeah, we ended up, um, yeah, I I got home Wednesday morning and uh, had a, oh, I know what I did. Immediately after I ended the trip uh, Wednesday morning, um, got in the car in the parking lot, the employee parking lot and uh, headed south, Uh, drove down to Tampa, Florida, because there's a big uh, Tampa... RV Super Show going on like the biggest uh, they build themselves the biggest RV show of the year and uh, I went down there specifically because the company uh from which I'm buying my motorhome had all of their unity uh, the bigger built on the uh, Mercedes Benz Sprinter chassis um at the show so th- this was the first time I was going to actually get to to see and touch and actually, go inside the uh, the motorhome that I I ordered back in April of 2021. Woo-hoo. And I'm very uh, excited to hear so, about this. I, I, uh, there's yes. the uh, the leisure travel van corner bed uh, floor plan. And does my um,
5: bum look big in this?
3: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? It might. <laughs> it might. Um, so, uh, yeah the uh, the uh, It was nice. Uh, They had it in. I was disappointed, though, when I first got to the area where they had the leisure travel vans lined up, uh, including their lower model based on the Ford Transit van. Uh, I mean, I'd say lower. It's a little bit, uh, probably about $20,000, you know, base price less based on the Ford uh, Transit chassis as opposed to the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter chassis. Well, I went through all of them. I'm looking. I don't. I don't see the corner bed. That's why I drove all the way down here. I wanted to see the corner bed floor plan. And then I asked finally one of the people there, I said, Where did, where's the corner bed? And they said, oh, Mercedes-Benz Vans, they have a se- separate display. And they wanted us to put one of our Unities over there. So it ended up being the corner bed over there in the uh, Mercedes uh, display. So I walked over there there
5: with all the fantastic Mercedes sports cars. No,
3: no car. It was all vans. Uh, All like, um, (laughs) you know, mostly like those, uh, (laughs) those aggressive four wheel drive, um,
9: like six wheel, like crazy. No, no, not like that. None of those things.
3: Um, but they're, you know, they're like jacked up, you know, like ride height, um, appropriate for Mm -hmm. actual four wheel, you know, really real off-roading stuff. And, uh, their, this was the only one, uh, the, the leisure travel van was the only one that was really a kind of a, a more luxury motorhome kind of vehicle in there. Anyway, you liked what pen. you saw. But I liked what I saw, yes. And, Good uh, man. I yeah. I'd
5: like it too. It looks very comfy.
3: Yeah, it's it's very nice. Uh, let's see if I can. Uh, the an interior, this is the interior of the floor plan there. And that's uh, uh, what they call the corner bed. And that's the about a queen size bed in the back with a little bit of it lopped off. So there's really no corner on that corner bed. It's um, a rounded It's corner a rounded bed. corner, yeah. Um you know, full uh, not a wet bath, it's a dry bath So the a separate shower and uh and a, a um a separate toilet and tiny little dentist office sink uh, there in the little lavatory area. Anyway, it's uh it's nice. I was uh, very impressed with the fit and finish and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to receiving it. And uh, Liz is asking if there is any update on my delivery, delivery date. date and from what they could tell. They actually had a, a, a sheet of, or a several page um, pad of Report. like orders and delivery estimates and that kind of thing. And they're thinking anywhere from probably April through mid-summer uh, possibly. So okay.
4: that's sort yeah. of what you're thinking.
3: And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And Great. so that's what I did on Thursday and Friday. I went there. Uh, and- hang on a minute, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to work out. Um, how does the driver see where he's going? Well, you have to. Uh, <laughs> they have a mirror. You you wear um, a special helmet that um, like a bike thing. shows you what's behind you. And then you have to just kind of. Turns uh, it around so you go, virtual, 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 yeah. yeah, fortunately.
6: Reality <laughs> yeah. the VR mask. Jeff's yeah. specially trained for this from all of his days looking at the compass in the... In the
9: mirror. Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. This is no, no right. problem. This is mad, looks, dog, it, mad dog,
9: mad uh, dog approved It looks
5: just like, uh, now you probably won't know this, Captain Scarlet's SUV. Captain Scarlet was a kid's program and they had this rugged, um, like, huge tank... Device and it always amazed me because the driver faced backwards and looked at a TV screen. Um, so I, I, you know, I thought,
3: well, that's wacky.
5: And then I suddenly realized that you were doing exactly the same,
3: (laughs) yeah. Well, no, those turn around for driving, Uh, yeah. I know it's okay, not as fancy as you thought. Anyway, uh, let's see. Let me take that.
4: uh, So you came home
3: when? So I I drove down on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday I was there at the show. Thursday night um, stayed at the hotel again. Then Friday I drove home. And uh, Saturday and Sunday I did my normal singing at the church. And uh, then back out again on um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with uh, Brent. Have some big news. Um, First Officer Brent... Is uh, captain to be, uh, oh, first, uh, and yeah. so he'll wow. be uh, he'll be in school soon. You
6: couldn't could not twist be, his uh, arm for nine more months of first officering.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> or whatever you've got. He finally is eleven you know, more months. He finally, started thinking he about says, how sick you're he was a lovely bloke, with... Jeff. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. what <Which> just means <laughs> I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to quit earlier because yeah, now I exactly. don't have my favorite oh, fo enough. to fly with anymore.
5: Exactly right. We get to go through training together.
3: Yeah. We'll get to go to training together uh, later this month. I say get oh, to. Fun. Well, no, actually in February, about uh, about three. Well, later weeks from this now. month is
9: like this is the end of the month.
3: So. Yeah. So anyway, and February's a short month. So and uh, I'm hoping the same that this thing. next recurrent training will be my last.
9: Let's hope.
3: So, anyway,
9: the real so, question I have though is, do you have like the countdown calendar on your home screen like Captain Nick used to?
3: No, but I do days have days until retirement. I do have uh what was what's that app called? Reminders or something like that? Um here we go. Let's see if I can find it. Uh Ooh. Three hundred and thirty three days.
4: days. Oh, half of the devil. Ooh.
3: That which happens to be the countdown to actually that's it's three hundred and thirty two. Well, that's pretty pretty sure. to my birthday, so it's uh, Christmas day this year, three hundred and thirty two days. Now okay. but I, I bid all my vacation so that. It would go into November. So, really, the last reasonably, yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure when my last flight's going to be. A lot of people have been asking, I don't know. Leave me alone. Um, but, uh, <laughs> It's the, probably going to be around right before RV right comes. before Thanksgiving, probably. The day after uh, the year. RV comes. Yeah, the day, the, <laughs> says, the day after the RV comes. She <laughs> might be right. <laughs> well, that's <what> I'm hoping. <laughs> I think it might actually be. But I don't think I'm going to make it to November, honestly. Nah. Um, anyway, we'll see. So, um, And then, uh, yeah, so we went on a three-day trip, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we um, Then here we are on Thursday. A lot of Florida flying. Yeah, a lot of Florida flying, a lot of short legs. Talk
4: about what you flew through yesterday. Oh, yesterday
3: was interesting. Yeah, there was a big storm system that went through. um, And uh, I was looking at all the forecasts. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be perfect for our last flight of this trip uh, early Wednesday morning from Tallahassee to Atlanta. And I'm thinking, maybe, I'm hoping this goes a lot faster by and then it'll be all, we'll Mm -hmm. be on the backside of this. No, we were, it was just about to hit Tallahassee. And we ended up going way out uh, east in uh, Georgia, and uh, then kind of making a beeline to the northwest and through the. It wasn't really that bad. The uh, I, th- I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. So anyway, it worked out. You made it. Made it. Still here. Okay, that's it. And um, go out. I'm supposed to go out on a uh, just a little turnaround on Monday uh, to uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, and back. Um, monday morning and that's it for that's children, a january
9: long taxing flight for you it
3: is pretty tough
9: uh-huh. pretty tough green anyway. Spartanburg, for those who don't know is halfway between where captain jeff and i are currently located from one another yeah basically and it's like a four-hour drive
3: <laughs> yeah and it's like a 20- between the
9: two of us and it's halfway
3: yeah, so, yeah. and from here to Excuse me, from Atlanta to Greenville, Spartanburg is like a twenty-four minute flight or something like that. Yeah. So it's just a literally so as soon as you get up to your cruise altitude, which is not you high, just go back. To, you're yeah. already going back down, which is
9: perfect. Cruise is a. a
5: well, you do wonder why people term. would fly it. I mean, wouldn't it be quicker to drive?
3: It's usually at the end of like somebody from Greenville has has gone to like Los Angeles and yes, so they had to go through Atlanta to get out to Los Angeles and on the way back through Atlanta to Greenville. There's no nonstop from
7: oh, LAX
3: to uh, Greenville. So, that's, I'd say, a bulk a majority of the people on those really short we'll little flights hub. are just like a connection. Um, the, the, the rest
9: of them are like me and they hate Interstate 85, which is <laughs> yeah. perpetually under construction around Greenville, Spartanburg. Yes. Um, that's true. And it's terrible. I, I think guess.
3: my entire time laying over in Greenville, As, Spartanburg for the last 30 something years. It, as long as I have lived here, I-85
9: <laughs> has been under construction. Yeah. And it's, it's awful. Yeah, So I don't blame those people for taking okay. the flight.
3: All right. Um, so that's it for me. And um, I think now would be a good time for us to talk about the coffee fund.
4: Johnny, how about more coffee? No, thanks.
3: I love coffee. I love tea. Sing it, Liz. I
4: love love the the APG
3: APG community. community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Coffee Fund, your way to support our show financially if and only if you have the financial resources to do that. Like if you're flying lessons or, you know, you, you need to grape up some money for food and shelter and clothing and all that kind of stuff, well, then don't send us any of your stinking money. But if you have some extra, what do they call that? Um, Extra coin, extra expended, uh, uh, that kind of income that you don't know what to do with. Yeah, you can send it to us. Uh, Disposable income, Disposable, yes. Dispose of it by sending it, but by joining the coffee fund cadre coffee bar club a couple different ways one is the coffee fun classic method most people use that for like one-offs every once in a while kind of thing we do have some recurring uh, contributors thank you to all of you and you know who you are for doing that and then the other way most people doing the recurring thing uh, use patreon they're patrons of the show via patreon you can find out about how you can join either of those little groups by heading over to airline com slash coffee and uh, yeah that's about it, except for our sad puppy face, because we don't have any new patrons or, yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. We really appreciate those. If you want those. a
5: decent, decent yeah. picture, I can get you one. You know.
3: Oh, okay. That's right. You're a photographer uh, that, who specializes <laughs> like in dogs, pictures.
5: specifically a dog photographer. Okay, well
3: let's send him my way. We'll we'll do something. Different. Yeah, all time. my dogs are happy. Well, they well, to go sad. Dogs. Oh, well, then that's not going to be any good. We don't want any oh, happy dogs. Okay. We want sad dogs. <laughs> Make people feel sorry for Do we have a us. happy
9: dog for when we do have new patrons? Oh, yeah, we could do that. And, good yeah, idea. We
3: need both. I'll find yes. a happy dog picture. Yay, happy dog. Okay. Um, that's out of the way. Let's talk about uh, some feedback.
8: Captain. Incoming message.
3: Let's see. We um, we have a lot of feedback, and uh, we're not going to be able to get to all of it on today's show. And we only have what forty something minutes left. Yeah, Liz? little, like little that? under forty. Okay, uh, so let's just quickly talk about this feedback that we received from Vernon. He said, "Greetings, Captain Jeff and crew. Just heard on APG five five two that I must have failed to include in my previous email the fly to screenshots." of our after-Christmas arrival and subsequent go-around in a Denver blizzard, see attached I hope they arrive this time. Well, Vernon, we did well, actually they have... Left that, they left that go-around a bit late, didn't they? Yeah, they, well...
5: They nearly hit the ground.
3: Yeah, he's talking about the screenshots of FlightAware. Um, oh, oh, oh so okay. what? So we did get those, um, Vernon. What we didn't get were the two pictures that you have of the... Uh, out the window where you were seated, um, of the, uh, the, how foggy snowy. and snowy, snowy and mm-hmm. nasty it was, uh, at the airport. So, um, I, I guess we're showing that right now. Yeah. Yep. And that's not, um, those are two separate, uh, from the same, uh, windows, mm-hmm. um, not the same airplane with one looking at the jetway and one looking at the taxiway. Those are right. two separate shots. I combined, so thank you Vernon for uh, sending that in, and now we have a complete picture. But we did talk about the uh, the entire pathway and the go around and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff on the, on the on fi- uh, five fifty two or whatever it was. Looking at about.
9: those pictures just makes mm-hmm. me so incredibly glad that I don't live someplace anymore where it snows regularly like that, mm-hmm. because that looks I don't know. Cold.
5: Oh, it gives yeah. me the heebie-jeebies, yeah, cool. Steph. I mean, we've just had a, a, a week of uh, pretty nasty fog, um, and a lot of freezing fog in the UK. And I was uh, going, oh, thank the Lord I'm not going to work.
9: <laughs> <laughs> so we actually get a, a lot of fog here. Charlotte, I don't know, it just seems to be very foggy all the time, um, especially early mornings through mid-morning. Do you have a foggy uh, bottom? I'd rather not talk about it if we
5: can Oh, okay. Well, it's just I, <laughs> I went to one in Washington, and I oh, always okay. wondered perhaps if there was another foggy bottom somewhere. Mm,
9: we, I, to my knowledge, we do not have a foggy bottom. Um,
6: Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol has a foggy bottom, oh. if you're wondering.
9: Fair enough. I, yes. Um, okay. But thankfully, it's usually fairly warm and not freezing and not, you know, that precipitation that's sticky. white. Fair enough. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is the... Um, bun slash bottom show, I think (laughs) (laughs) kind of a theme.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, all right. Uh, let's see, let's move on to the next feedback from Robert Tucker. (laughs) No, Robert in Tucker. Uh, he says, please check out the video slash audio feedback uh, from his Facebook page. And, uh, so if you'll, do Mm -hmm. that. Liz, thank you.
8: Hello, crew, and Happy New Year, Robert and Tucker. (laughs) And I wanted to share a pretty cool story. It was a relocation of a foster corgi. Um, He was located over in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, KOAJ, and had a uh, pilot uh, through the Pilots and Pauls program. It's a great nonprofit that helps relocate some of these dogs. So yesterday, uh, we picked him up in uh, Winder, Georgia, about a two-hour flight, but would have been about 15 hours in the car round trip. So it was really great. We uh, connected with Captain Tom. He and his wife uh, flew the pup uh, in his uh, Cirrus CR-22 over to uh, winder yesterday. And it was a great day to fly, and it was a really good uh, uh, way to relocate the dog. So we'll be in Tucker for the time being. Hopefully he'll uh, fit in here and like it. And I uh, just wanted to again share that story. I think I had shared it with the crew sometime back because they do release a yearly calendar for a fundraiser. But you can check them out, the, uh, the link here. And uh, thanks for all my, sharing, uh, covering all my feedback. And uh, catch up with you soon. Thanks. Bye.
3: All right. Very good. And uh, that oh, was great pictures. He was referring to the Southeast Corgi Rescue, which we'll have uh, a link to in our show notes.
9: And perhaps Pilots and Paws, too. I know and we've got commu- community members who are uh, actively yeah. involved with that organization and do some of the flying oh. as well. We
3: do, indeed. Yeah, in fact, uh, the, guy do guy, yeah the guy Correct. that hangs out in the uh, the, the guy that's in your bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Pets, paws and Pets? What's it called? Pets and paws. Pilots and Paws. Pilots and Paws?
4: Pilots and Paws. uh uh-huh. <laughs> 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 well he's in Israel Kermit's in you there with hear. him now
3: <laughs> 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 I can't do a good impression <laughs> Very good. Oh, I need to get him to record something like yeah
9: that's it Jeff <laughs> <laughs>
3: anyway thank man, you that Mark. has
9: so much potential for abuse I don't even know if you should I know. do that which is <laughs> why we're going to definitely don't have do
3: him it. do that don't do it, definitely do it. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, all that, all the links will be in the show notes. <laughs> um, okay, which one, uh, Liz? El's, you said you I should jump. Elspalato. Okay, El's Palato. Oh, Yes, I want to do um, this one. This is great. Uh, hi, Jeff and crew, listening in on APG five five two. You guys talked about the Wells Fargo executive who, while drunk, peed on another passenger. This is a subject close to my heart. Well. Not the peeing on people's oh, stuff.
2: You should have
6: just left that out. <laughs> I was going yeah, yeah, to say. It is in brackets. You could legitimately
5: have ignored it.
3: Yeah, you're right. I should have. Boy, should I do a new new take? <laughs> anyway, I spent a good number of years ferrying British and Irish holidaymakers to and from the sandy beaches of southern Europe. Uh, crew generally referred to these folks as the Bucket and Spade Brigade. In all my time hauling self-loading freight, these were, uh, these were either the most delightful of my passengers or the worst. Uh, as a uh, first officer, I frequently observed cabin crew coming to the cockpit while boarding to report a drunk passenger on the flight. The vast majority of captains then asked the cabin crew member whether they thought the person should travel. The reply was always, the passenger seems nice enough. And the captain would tell the cabin crew to inform the passenger that they would not be allowed alcohol on the flight. Of course, the hammered passenger always agreed as even though their alcohol induced haze or even through their alcohol induced haze, they understood the other option was getting turfed, slam the door shut, climb the cigar tube, 35,000 feet up into the rarefied air where it's not so easy to carry out said turfing. And, of course, the supposedly placid, lashed passenger gets angry when being denied alcohol. Then come the reports of verbal abuse, shouting, drinking of their own duty-free, or one time stealing someone else's duty-free to drink. Wow. And the occasional spitting to top it off, a purser c- uh, getting a bloody no- nose for intervening. Off the back of these experiences, I now go myself before pushback to shine the bars at any supposedly pickled passengers who have been reported to me. Why? As I believe most cabin crew don't want to be responsible for deciding, and it is not fair to expect them to, if a passenger should be offloaded. Additionally, these types of passengers sadly just don't respect cabin crew. So let the mind games. Well, basic. Actually, very basic. No, more like kindergarten level. At best, mind games begin. Initially, I don't talk to the passenger in question. I let them see me first talking with the crew, demonstrating that I value the crew's opinion, and I believe this gives power back to the cabin crew in the eyes of the trolleyed passenger. If the drunk is clearly spanned, I call to have the police on standby for the offloading, and off they go. For those who aren't tack, uh, tacking a full three sheets to the wind, <laughs> I approach and make it clear that I am aware of their tipsy state and that I will not allow them to consume alcohol on the flight. No two ways about it. If the captain told you to your face, it's clear you ain't getting a drink. I have yet to have an alcohol-related incident on board as a captain. Good thing I don't do the Ibiza run anymore. Uh, We'd be leaving half the bloody passengers behind. (laughs) Party town, I guess, huh? Uh, turning
5: uh, back uh, famous
3: yeah. for it. Yep. Yeah, uh, turning back to the news story that spurred yet another rambling on my part. I think the crew failed to manage the situation and cut off the muppet, or at least delay his drinks, thus avoiding him getting so pissed that he actually pisses on someone else. I certainly bloody hope they didn't let him on the plane in such a state. Once again, this concludes my ramblings for another show. Many thanks for reading them out, as I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact. I am in the executive producer tier, as you were. Well, you know what? It doesn't, El, el El's Piloto or Pilato. Uh, but we do appreciate the fact that you are in the executive producer tier. That deserves it. Oh, yeah. Very generous. Quite yes, right. very generous. Blue side up and all that. Best regards, Els Piloto. Uh, P.S., not written while drunk. Mostly, sort of.
9: you know what though i actually really like this feedback because it actually it gives some actionable things to people who are wondering what they would do in these situations because um i would say in some parts of the world it's certainly not as common to encounter this sort of behavior especially and nick captain nick correct me if i'm wrong here but especially in uh the uk and ireland i see this earlier in the day than I would expect generally for most flights here in the States due to the nature of a lot of these, you know, trips going to holiday destinations and being stag parties and whatnot. A lot of the times, um, the, the festivities begin early. Let's just say that. So, um, but I like how he empowers the crew. I like how, you know, he, he, Takes responsibility for having the final say and authority on this, um, and and I think it's it's a good way to handle these types of situations. So thank you for your feedback on that.
5: Yeah, I have to agree, hundred uh, percent. Had a wonderful uh,
3: little uh, one-on-one um, video uh, conversation with the uh, the real person behind this uh, this name, and uh, he's a, a wonderful person. So really cool. enjoyed that. All right. Um, let's continue with uh, the next item uh, from Tim Van Ram.
4: He's in the chat.
3: Oh, he's in the trap. The trap? The trap? Hmm. Chat. <laughs> there we go. Um, hello, APG <laughs> yes. community. I thought this news item might be worthy of mention on the wonderful Airline Pilot Guy show. As a classic car enthusiast, I love to watch, uh, is it Meekum car auctions on the television? Meekum, yeah. I think they were actually in. Um, it differently. Uh, what were we? Oh, Chattanooga, um, a couple months back. Um, they had a whole bunch of old cars and stuff there. Um, anyway, so many fabulous cars in tip top shape to see. Well, this one auction item caught my eye, as it wasn't a classic car at all, but rather Elvis Presley's 1962 Lockheed 1329 Jetstar. I was and am still a huge Elvis fan. And then he attached. The link to the Rob Report article about the um, Elvis Presley's dilapidated private jet selling for two hundred and sixty thousand dollars at auction. Uh, noting her husband's love of winged transport, Priscilla Presley spoke about the King's aircraft collection at the auction. And uh, there's a picture of uh, Priscilla uh, Presley. And uh, going once, going twice, sold for two hundred and sixty grand. Uh, the uh, 1962 Jet Star crossed the block at the Meckham Kissimmee Collector Car Auction in Florida the other day on what it would have been the King's 88th birthday. On hand for the high-profile sale was Elvis's former wife Priscilla, Priscilla Presley, who stood alongside the auctioneers uh, during what turned out to be a decidedly lackluster bidding. Uh, we're showing, showing some photos of the interior. Of the jet, bidding started at one hundred thousand dollars, jumped to one hundred and fifty thousand, but settled at two hundred. Only with plenty of coaxing did it get up to two hundred and forty, where it stayed for a number of minutes. Finally, two hundred and sixty thousand came from a telephone bidder. The reserve came off, and the hammer fell. Uh, it didn't help that the sixty-one year old jet wasn't on hand at Kissimmee for viewing. It's currently parked in the desert, gathering dust at the Roswell International Air Center in Roswell, New Mexico where it has sat outside for close to 40 years um anyway um the uh, guy that bought it uh, businessman jim gagliardi of madeira california he's 82 years old bought the jet at a 2017 auction for four hundred and thirty thousand.
4: Must be the guy who oh, was selling no, seller. That
3: was, a, that was a seller. Okay. Seller. Yeah, he a seller. <laughs> oh, he that kind of lost a little value then from 430 to two hundred. A little.
9: 60.
3: I'm wondering if when
9: he bought it, if it had engines on it at the time.
3: Yeah, I was going to say. It needs a little work. It's
9: missing some, it's missing some things that have value. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, all it needs is really a good wash and wax and uh, uh, four engines. Two on each side definitely. of the tail there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, interesting That crushed
9: red velvet on the inside Surely is worth something though I don't know You would the, think The interior
3: mm. Yeah Gold-plated uh, ashtrays and mm. Ashtrays
9: seats. I
4: love the ashtrays
3: Yeah Anyway uh, Is Is
5: uh, Elvis uh, As You know Receive as much attention uh, As he used to um, You know This in, in week Because his His,
4: his only daughter did uh, I
9: mean I, Maybe in certain circles But I I don't yeah, so, I don't think it was really. as much
3: as it used to be, but because
5: um, I realize these things reach a peak, uh, and then as you know, the time goes on, uh, interest will eventually die away.
9: There is a, a local runner in the uh, community here in Charlotte who is also a Elvis impersonator and quite good, <laughs> I <might> add. And <laughs> I've yet to make it to a live event, but I've seen some of the stuff that he kind of streamed during the pandemic and whatnot, and it was it was entertaining. So there's still some of that going on. And certainly Vegas, you know, I think you can find good impersonators still. But, I mean, in the general, you know, population, probably not much excitement over Elvis memorabilia. Yeah.
3: memorabilia.
4: That's what I was thinking.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Maybe Stefan's auto uh, audio. Um, Maybe Stefan's
3: audio. I. Oh, yeah, we could do that. Okay, let's do that. Which uh, uh, one is that?
7: Number nine.
3: Number nine. Uh, this is some audio feedback from Stefan.
7: Guten Abend, APG team. This is Stefan von Germany calling. i like to give you a small feedback to your episode 552. Or oh, Well, actually, it's not a feedback. I have a question. Um, it's about the Jetstar flight, which made uh, an emergency landing and passenger evacuation a week ago on a Saturday over a bomb threat in Japan. And um, you were talking quite in- intensely about why they they performed, an full evacuation of the flight. Well, of course, you. I agree with you that um, if a flight gets diverted due to a bomb threat, they usually put them in a very very far corner of the airport, and then it takes uh, quite a bit time till they find some heather, <laughs> some bloke who's who's able to drive some staircase to them, because I mean it's still an airplane with an impossible bomb on board. So that you try to get out your passengers as quick as possible is kind of a natural instinct to do that from the um, crew side of the crew points view. So that's why my company um, has a certain procedure for that. It's called controlled exiting. It's where you exit the aircraft via slide, but not in a hurry. You tell every passengers to sit down and slide down the slate in a controlled, orderly manner. So that's that's uh, it's a procedure to get the passengers out rather quick, but very controlled and with much less re- risk for any injuries. So actually, it's not a feedback, a more a question. If you ever heard about that, some other airline is doing that or. Um, Whatever, Or do you have any similar procedure handling a situation like this? So that's all. Thanks uh, for your um, great podcast again. And, well, carry on. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Well, thank you, Stefan. And it is feedback and a question. It's two in one. Perfect. Um, so I, we don't have anything like that um, in our culture. But that might explain why when we saw that photo of the people – going down the sides that nobody had their luggage with them. So it wasn't like a mad dash to the doors and grab your stuff and go. It was probably a very organized, kind of more uh, laid orderly. back or orderly kind yeah. of a, a thing. Uh, Nick, do you recall ever having that kind of uh a- Nope. Well, no, uh,
5: Stefan's feedback I thought was great, and mm-hmm. I'd love it to hear your voice again, uh, Stefan. And it was uh, a procedure I was completely unfamiliar with. So, yeah. <coughs> excuse me, um, if we had stairs uh, around the aircraft, uh, I mean, one of the bomb threats I had, um, we were on a remote, st- remote stand, but that was just because that's where we were departing from. And there were a bunch of stairs around. So whilst it was going on, I quietly got the engineer on the headset and got him to push up a bunch of um, stairs onto the aircraft in case we had to evacuate. In fact, we didn't. It was declared uh, uh, not a threat. So um, we pulled him off and uh, departed. Um, but I can see um, sitting down is a much safer way to go down the slides yeah. than the normal method, which is kind of exit the door at a, Jump at a trot forward. and yeah. leap straight into the slide. And you build up a lot of energy doing that. And of course, you, you, know, you tend to collide with people in front and behind because it's um, you know, you've just got to get off the airplane as quickly as possible. So I can see it being an advantage. Uh, the only thing we have was a controlled evacuation when we were on the stand, which was slightly different. Uh, but again, another procedure. But um, no, uh, we didn't. I, I like that though. I think Lufthansa have uh, you know come up with something
3: that uh, should be examined by other it, airlines. It may very well be exactly what um, Jetstar, um, mm-hmm. the same kind of a procedure that they employed there. So that makes a lot a lot of sense now.
9: You know, listening to all that, though, gives me a deeper appreciation for how people usually leave my aircraft.
3: Well, yeah, they don't leave the normal way.
9: <laughs> it's orderly. Uh,
3: yeah. But um, I think that a lot of airlines would go out of business if they uh, played it that way, Steph.
9: <laughs> Probably so.
3: Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan, for... Uh, sending that in. I appreciate that. And, uh, well, finally our last little piece of feedback, number 17, this was sent in from the geezer, Larry, uh, Gregory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said, uh, some nutty humor for captain Jif. You know, we were talking about the <laughs> Jif peanut butter thing and, uh, having some fun with that. He sent us some three cartoons the first, uh, it's the uh, Mister Mister Peanut with his top hat and his cane walking out the front door, and it says a "Famous Last Words," and he's saying to his wife, "Bye, hun. I'll be back in a gif. Oh boy! Oh, <laughs>
9: that's
3: not good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, it's of course, a, for
9: for people who may not know around the world, that's a brand of peanut butter.
3: Yes. Jeff yeah. uh, peanut butter. We, oh. we talked about that. The guy hiding his oh, okay. pistol yeah, yeah, yeah. and ammunition in a Jeff peanut Jif butter Peter. jar. Okay. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the middle one here are, oh, you're sitting on a couch or a sofa, if you prefer, or a love seat, maybe even more appropriately mm. uh, with, um, with a, a, a young lady peanut uh, wearing a flight attendant uniform. And he goes, argh, I can never get uh, these darn airline peanuts open.
0: Kind of uh, racy. You know,
5: <laughs> very yeah, tasty. a little racy. Uh,
3: yeah, a little racy. But, but you know, like the, the those peanuts they give you on the, yeah. like, oh, I, can't, I can't seem to get these open.
9: Oh, they're never, like, perforated correctly, so you have to, like, no. get your teeth. Use your teeth, teeth. To, like, like
3: go, help nobody's yeah, seeing, sure. watching. Yeah.
9: And then, and then, then go, when you phew, do, like, spray. finally, it's, phew, yeah. Yeah, all over <laughs> it the Explodes place. everywhere.
3: <laughs> and then the Jeff last I one. I've never
9: had this problem before. It's oh, fine. no,
3: no. Uh, the last one, of course, um, is uh, kind of age discrimination. If yeah, you ask me, very uh, the on the left side, it looks like um, this nursery, is a hospital a nursery. Yeah, you know, and it's the nursery in the in a hospital, and a uh, bunch of little baby peanuts in there, and it says "fresh peanuts." The sign says, and then right next to it, uh, some very very elderly uh, peanuts. Senior peanuts. Senior peanuts. Yes, uh, and uh, the sign says "peanut brittle." Mm. Oh, very good. <laughs> that's not funny at all. You
5: know, I've met that gentleman in person. Mr. Peanut? Oh, the, Mr. Peanut?
9: Mr. Peanut? Mr. Peanut? Yeah,
5: I was at a Thanksgiving Day parade in New York, and he oh. was floating down the street.
4: Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> nice. oh he was a balloon. Wow.
9: Yeah.
4: As Tim Van Ram be.
9: says, he's the uh, the kind of the mascot for Planters Peanuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Fair enough. Wears a top hat, a monocle. Yeah, and a very yeah, distinguished he, looking he peanut. It does
3: look a very sophisticated peanut. peanut
9: sophisticated. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And All I'm right. choking on, on a Brazil nut. So, oh. <laughs> well, you know those Brazilians.
9: Does anyone there know out? the Heimlich? Yeah. Do you have a corner you, you of your you desk gotta that you can watch out
3: if you get in
5: Brazil nut for sure? <laughs>
9: They're supposed to be very good for your health, though. Yeah, Brazil nuts.
3: I those are like my they least can favorite be painful, nuts. gather I like Brazil nuts. <laughs> Do You like Brazil maps? Yeah, I like them. Yeah. I
9: don't love them. I know. But yeah,
3: very good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so let's uh, let's move on and wrap this thing up. What do you say? Um, hey Jeff,
6: can I yeah. uh, add one thing? Oh, yeah. to the bonanza yes. news article we did. Yeah. Uh, so I I've been poking around and I finally found in my all of my stuff here. Um. There's a guy that, uh, so the American Bonanza Society is the type club for bonanzas, and it's based here in Wichita. And the guy who teaches their, their kind of, um, I don't know, what is he? Their head guy, Tom Turner, is a guy who specializes in bonanza training. And he's actually who gave me my transition training. But anyway, I found a thing from him that says, uh, in a typical A36 at glide speed and with the propeller in normal, uh, rpm the rate of descent is 15 to 1700 feet per minute and after pulling the prop back that rate reduces to 800 to 900 feet per minute wow
9: so
3: that's a considerable difference difference, yeah Yeah,
6: i just wanted to mention that i was thinking 600 to 800 is i think what i said but Mm -hmm. uh
0: that's great yeah
6: pretty uh pretty significant
3: wow difference there that is all right well thank you for uh adding that and um, we're now going to point everybody over to our website, airlinepilotguide.com. Lots of stuff there. Uh, you know, the routine, uh, information about the crew and the community and community calendar, uh, the APG library, more information about the, um, plane tails and merchandise or merch. We like to call it in the, you know, because the cool kids, that's what they call it. And, um, uh, we are other cool. stuff there too and uh <laughs> yeah we are liz we're cool head um, over to
9: our merch tent and, and uh <laughs> pick yourself up so <laughs> uh
3: anyway some just check it out you know. yeah some swag some merch whatever you know um we're also on social media and but that's Steph- not what the
9: cool kids call it
3: no the cool kids call it social means. <laughs> <laughs> No, only old fogies like me call it social medias. Go ahead. I
9: have no idea what we call it anymore. But if you're on <laughs> Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. That's one place to find us. Another would be Twitter. Uh, we are at APG Crew on Twitter. And I guess Nick Anderson is still updating the Instagram page with some of the artwork. We are also As APG Hopefully. Hopefully, because I haven't done it. We're also APG Crew on Instagram. Um, so head over to your favorite social media platform and find us there. And that guy that we mentioned earlier, Pilots and Paws and uh, Bathroom Aficionado, he's back in Jeff's bathroom, and I Once don't know again. why. Once again, hello. It's a mystery. Slack. Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay.
3: We're used to every it. Every time. Yeah, every time he is. Uh, you, you'd think he'd grab a towel and uh, dry himself off before he Do came. Do you over give here him a towel though? Him. Well, sometimes.
9: You just get one like <laughs> monogrammed with his like I should initials on it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, we're going to show a photo right now of this young man in um, his bathroom showering getup uh, while we hear him talk about Slack.
6: APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and
0: ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get
6: into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack.
3: You know, uh, Elvis may have had gold-plated... Ashtrays uh, in his jet, but he, uh, Hillel in this uh, picture here has gold-plated shower shower doors. Frames and mm-hmm. shower and doors, mirror. yeah. Isn't that nice?
9: And r- really, it's the epaulets on the bathrobe. And I still would like my own Lufarito.
3: Lufaritos are definitely something we need to pursue. We
9: need to add those to the,
3: <laughs> yeah, the to the merch
9: <laughs> to, to the merch. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, thanks. Hello. Uh, Yep, there you go. See, I thought <laughs> See? we had towels in there, but apparently not. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, we'd also like to thank our producer. Come on yeah, oh, there, there she is. Hi, at, at her uh, control room position in Toronto. I am in Ontario. control. Yeah. Not. Yeah.
9: <laughs> it's it's anyway, a thanks.
3: loose form of control. Yeah. yeah well, loose. As much as you can control, right? Uh, yeah. thank you so much Liz uh, you're always uh, you know the person I really lean on to uh, do so much of the work here uh, um, behind the scenes and uh, yeah so uh, with that we're going to go ahead and say uh, thank you for watching slash listening and tell your friends and we hope to see you again next week on the Airline Pilot Guy Show wishing you clear skies unlimited visibility and tailwinds take care and God bless
9: cheers y'all
6: bye everybody bye everybody See you next time. Bye-bye.
4: Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy.
0: Good day.
7: such a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline not a guy I fly I'm always flying, I just don't have the time, but I can land this old plane, I can land it just fine, airline, not a guy, I fly a oh, airline.